Willkommen, bienvenue, knichiwa, niha, jumbo, marhaba, ba weep grana, weep minibam. It's time for the Armist Inquisition yet again, episode 273 on Sunday, the 12th of March, 2023. I'm Phil. I'm Beth. I'm Matt. I'm not. The dwarf, the cripple, and the mother of madness. <laughs> Where's Ben? Can't see him. No. There he is. Hello, Hi. Ben. Hiya. Yes, Ben, you're... Is it the, uh, is it the Ides of March, or am I early? The date today? Oh yeah, is it not it the fourteenth? No, oh. I don't know. I know it's around there. Probably close enough. It'll yeah. do. Uh, you're remote, Ben, tonight because I in am. the studio we're joined by Ryan Seven. How you doing, Ryan? I'm all right, mate. Glad to be here. Glad to have you again. It's been too long, hasn't it? Good times ahead. Mm. Went a little bit smashy and nicey there. I'm queuing up a job in the mainstream. That's what it is. <laughs> There's loads of them coming up. It's imp- <laughs> hey, it's I'm on the football. <laughs> yeah, I, I, might do, I might do match a day next week. <laughs> Pat Sharp. You don't see the Pat Sharp story. We can cover that in the second Pat half. Pat Sharp still <laughs> around. Yeah, well, he's just been sacked from Greatest Hit Radio. Oh, not Fun House. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tragic. He made a he made a joke about someone's massive boobs, and she she got very upset and left. She yeah. Oh well, I am assuming her gender. <laughs> <laughs> You've got to be careful these days yeah. with that. I know, yeah. Right. Anyway, enough of of that uh, hilarity. Yeah, no. Because uh, we've got serious business to talk about tonight, Rain. I hope not. Yeah, I'm wow. not prepared. <laughs> we need to do some occult deconstruction. And we were going to talk about the tarot tonight mm. due to a synchronicity that occurred between us. Oh, yeah. But we've decided to defy the gods. <laughs> yes. And talk about Mithraism. He's a god of sorts. Is he now? He kind of is, yes. He might be god. I'm not sure. He's, he's very murky, he's Mithras. Bit of a mystery. Lots of other M words. That's Mithras. Yeah, it's very enigmatic, sort of. Oh. I was going to say cult then, but there is like a classification problem with Mithraism, isn't yeah. there? Yeah. It's, it's hotly debated, isn't it? It is more like a cult than it is like a religion. Mm. Uh, yeah, there's definitely God forms in there and personalities of gods in there, and they have parts in the story, but it's more to signify stages of rituals. Would be the best pe- way to put it. I mean, there are also likenesses to a mystery school and also secret societies as well. It has components of all four of these things going yes. for it, doesn't it? It it is those things all together. Well, it's a mashup. Well, I think those things come together anyway. You, you, the mysteries are the process that you put through when you join the Mithraic cult, 
and you taught them by nature of actually doing it. It's very um, active. It was full of soldiers, so, you know, it's, it's got some oomph to it. Bit of chutzpah. That's interesting you mentioned the soldiers because that's something that came up in my research um, because unlike most religions, there isn't like um, a canonical text. There isn't a Hebrew Bible or New Testament or Quran equivalent for Mithraism. So we're kind of reliant on archaeology, aren't we, and these Mithraim, the temples. Yeah. There's some um, references by historians of the time or a few hundred years later that, that knew about these things. But, yeah, most of it is uh, reconstructions from archaeology. However, there is a doctrine. It's just in symbols. And I think the problem with a lot of academics is that they need it in writing. And in this case, the mysteries as it always is, uh, uh, transmitted by symbols. Yeah. I remember um, in my sort of background research on Mithraism, the location of temples that had been found was interesting because they seemed to be concentrated. Well, there was a lot in Rome. Yeah. Apparently over 600 Mithraim in Rome. We, we actually have a, a, an image if you'd like to have a look. All right. Do, am I... Do we, Am I jumping the gun or do we need to get no, into no, the no, slides? No, no, uh... no, no, it's, we can take them out of order, it's fine. <coughs> just, we'll just jump in and people can see while you're talking. Uh, where is it now? Mithras slides, that sounds promising. Yep. Yeah, the, the, I'll, I'll show you the map there here. There you go. All right. Yeah, so we've got a lot around Rome here and Ostia, which was the port of Rome. And they seem to be concentrated along the Rhine-Danube frontier. Yes, and the northern frontier in Europe, Hadrian's Wall, yep. and along France. And also, there's quite a few down here on the Numidian frontier. So Numidia is a uh, modern-day sort of Algeria area, and it was the Roman province of Numidia. They were famous for cavalry, the Mi mm. Numidian cavalry. And there's quite a few Mithraea around there, isn't there? And, and in Greece as well. But interestingly, they don't seem to find many in the east, do they? <laughs> Uh, well, because that's as far as the Romans got. It's not actually a Persian cult. It's called, um, to the Romans, it wasn't called the Mysteries of Mithras or anything like that. It was the, the Mystery of the Persians, the Persian Mysteries, yeah. or possibly sometimes the Mysteries of Perseus. So what's oh. happened is it's quite complex, and we'll get into it later, but it's infiltrated Rome and mutated on its way. And the Romans love to syncretize things, which means kind of pulling what they need from a thing and uh, compare it to their own gods and, and change things around a little bit for it to all fit in and make sense to them. So there's a lot of that going on. So it, it, the, you said the word frontier. It's the frontier. It's where all the soldiers are. Hadrian's Wall, mm. frontier. Yeah. Uh, what about time-wise? That might be something interesting to touch on i'm just thinking for people who are coming to this fresh mm -hmm. who've not heard of yep mithraism i find it quite interesting the way it sort of springs up out of nowhere in the late first century ad sort of apostolic era yeah so if we wind it right back to the beginning we can we can follow the trail of it and uh, there's a few starts and stammers in there mm. so oddly enough this goes right back to the beginning of European civilization in general. Uh, it's clearly these these myths, Mithra, has clearly come from um, Sumeria and, and Babylon and these kind of places, and it's like kind of fermented around there. And then as 
our ancestors left those areas and, and started going up towards the Black Sea and, and the Caucasus Mountains and all those kind of places. And the, the, myths, the myths and the mysteries really start to kind of cement or at least coalesce. Uh, the actual basis of the mysteries of the Roman Mithras are right there, right at the beginning. The, the sacred cow and, and the, the two brothers that cut the cow up. Uh, I might as well tell this story, actually. So uh, there's lots of sacred cows in lots of different countries, and they all have the root in the Proto-Indo-Europeans. You mostly know about the sacred cow in India mm. and from the Aryans and, and whoever else. And the Apis bull from Egypt. And Egypt, yeah. So these are all... E Egypt's really a colony from Sumeria. And other places as well, probably. Obviously, there's leeway in these things. You, you never really quite know. But uh, so... What is the sacred cow? Well, it's the, to an alchemist, it would be the prima materia. It's the base wealth, nourishment, uh, matter that the universe gives you in order to sustain yourself. It's, it's the base material. And the cow's the first being. So it's, it's this first material, the first matter. And you've got to imagine back in those days, it was a pastoral society, agricultural. You've got oxes. You've got bulls and you've got cows. You're getting milk, you're getting fat, you're getting meat, you're getting hide, you're getting a worker on, on your field to plough everything. Yep. So it's a portable sign of your wealth and you take it to market and, you know, even might show it off. Like Tread some car. magic beans. <laughs> well, <laughs> there's that as well. <coughs> but we'll get into that later. A few magic beans. So we've got this sacred cow and it is... Um, it's a sign of, of wealth and desire for the ancients. And in one of the first myths, you've got two twins, uh, one called man and one called twin. <laughs> and the myth goes either man sacrifices twin or man and twin sacrifice this cow. And it looks to be that's because Gemini came up on the spring equinox for the twins. And then after Gemini comes the cow processionally speaking right. we'll get to procession later if you don't already know what that is but um the myths of the ancients were predicated on what stars were there at dawn on the spring equinox and that's the main god of that era jesus was fish before that we had uh the ram of mithras we'll get into that later <laughs> before that you had your sacred cows like the apis bull and before that you've had these two twins right so, with that said, these are the early Persians that we're talking about. They're like not northern Iran's, uh, like the, the lighter colored people, blue eyes, green eyes, fairer hair comes from northern Iran. If you look at northern Iran now, you can still see the people there look quite a lot like us English folk, really. Maybe a little more olive skinned. Uh, and so the people from that area have got these myths. And they eventually became the Persians as we would know it, the early Persian empires. And they've gotten these myths where they sacrifice bulls in caves uh, and they kind of come up with these three, three stroke four characters, Ahura Mazda, Ariman, uh, Mithras, and Zervan. Zervan's linked with the pole. 
so you can think like of a neutral point, the, the pole of the Earth, uh, the axis Monday that reaches up to the pole star, where, about which we spin. Ariman is the bad guy. Think about time and space and the uh, oppression of the material. And Ahuru Mazda is the good god, everything that's good in life, basically. And they're twins as well, Ahuru Mazda and Ariman. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there's this other character uh, associated with Venus. So you can think of Ahuru Mazda is Saturn and the moon, kind of the bad guys. Uh, Ahuru Mazda is the sun. Did I say Ariman, are they? Yeah, you did. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mazda is like the sun and, and the good characters. And as I said, Zervan's the Paul. He's, he's like this indifferent demiurge creator god that he didn't know what he was doing when he made the good god and the bad god. He just was playing this game wow. that is reality. So we've got this other character because some humans get annoyed at the fact that there's this good, there's this polarity in the universe and they're sick and tired of all this. I'm winning, I'm winning, I'm, you know, this this constant game, and they just want off the ride. So this other character comes about, Mithras, Mithra, to those guys back then. And he's this god that rebels against the system and provides uh, a method by which for the simple human to, to also get off the ride as well. So this is like this would be Zoro, Zoroastrian theology, wouldn't it? It becomes that eventually. Yeah. So you, it, Zoroaster is sandwiched between two uh, Mithraic periods. All right. So there's one before and one after. The one after doesn't last as long. It's kind of a reformation, but the period before is Mith, uh, Mithraic, and then you get Zoroaster, and I think Mithra's still around, but not really. He's pushed to the back at, at the at the least, if not wiped out almost entirely and then he comes back right so did the romans revive him then yes got you so, so what happens is um persia's the the great rebels of uh, the great rebels the great uh, uh nemesis yeah um, <laughs> of, yeah of rome it would have been parthia and then the sassanid yeah. empire it All was always guys. the the big eastern frontier mm-hmm. which always was going backwards and forth you know at some point rome had right up to the tigris and the euphrates and then they get beaten back and it was uh and you can imagine while this is going on the cultures is is being passed back and forth yeah uh, not to mention the fact that persians are europeans you think of them of being uh, Middle Eastern, but they are. Persians are Europeans. As we just said, they were from northern Iran and they've come over. They've come left. It went right. When all this stuff went right, it went to India and became a character called Mitra, who's exactly the same. Right. He Whereas Mithras pal, pals up with Sol, the son, Mitra uh, pals up with a character called Varuna, Ooh. who's pretty much the son as well. So what happens is... Uh, there's this uh, Persian king called Mithridates. I can't remember which one is. There's like four or five of the Mithridates. <laughs> and he, there's a religion at that time in, um, that, that was common amongst the Seleucid pirates, the Seleucid pirates. Yep. I wonder, I've only ever read that. Seleucid, book. yeah. Yeah. And it was almost like um, an infiltration, like a, a, a psyops kind of a thing where mm. they've they've taken this religion that was the that's clearly Mithraic but is based around a cult of Perseus and the pirates kind of take it to the elites they're doing wheelings and dealings at that time 
with with the Roman elites and the merchants, and it kind of gets in with the with the minor elites and the bureaucrats and the generals and the soldiers, and it had always been a a, a martial religion. Mithras had always been a warrior because he's a rebel and he's got he's got to he he needs to fight against the system, this system of Ahura Mazda, Ariman and and Zervan, this polarity. He wants to get off the ride. So, yeah, it's these pirates that kind of infiltrate Rome. And something, Phil, you gave me uh, a portion of a book by, uh, I always want to say Richard Matheson. But that's David, David. Matheson, you know, famous author. Um, and something I picked up from that section that you gave me was that there's a suspicion that the religion of Mithras eventually became much like the Masons in that it was a a secret society that was running things, especially the bureaucrats and and the minor royals and eventually higher royals. And the military. Yeah, and and the military, obviously. The most powerful thing in Rome. And that Christianity was kind of a literalist front for this secret society. And you can see that there there are a great many parallels between Mithraism and Christianity. However... With that said, this is a mystery tradition and there are links and similarities between them all. They all look pretty bloody similar, really. Yeah. I mean, one of the strongest sort of piece of evidence uh, that Dave gives in that chapter in Myth and Trauma is the the temporal correlation that this thing appears during the apostolic era. Right. And then it sort of vanishes yeah. when it seemed to have done its job once Christianity becomes the established religion of Rome. It's, you know, some people would say it's a stretch. I don't know. I wasn't there. You know, he makes some good arguments. It's, in, it's an interesting argument. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I remember if you know, people watch the Zeitgeist movie yeah, I remember Zeitgeist. or people who are fans of Jordan Maxwell, uh, a lot of astrotheology or astrotheologists bring this connection between Mithra and JC and all the rest of it. So born on the same day. Um they say uh virgin birth. Now there are two versions of Mithra's birth, but the most common one is he's kind of self born, which I suppose is kind of a virgin birth. They say he's surrounded by twelve disciples. And he is, he's always surrounded by the twelve of the Zodiac, which is exactly the same meaning as the twelve apostles. So there are lots of similarities, mostly because they are based, both religions, religions, but both um, doctrines are based on the stars. It seems that way for all these ancient religions. I'd assume even in the East, as as far as Buddhism and things like that, they're probably star doctrines. Well, Buddha itself is the name for the planet Mercury, and his character does fit the same as Hermes, essentially. Right. Buddha yeah. is literally the word for Mercury. In what in like what language would it be? Hindonese. Hindonese. Yeah. Ah. And the Indus. Cool. Uh, is it worth looking at some slides? Yeah, let's have a look at some slides. You could try to send some slides over. This is the uh, we not skipped s- a few, didn't we? Not, so we not seventy to, this time. You want me to go back to the beginning? Yeah, let's have a look. That was the first one, I think, wasn't it? Yeah. So on the left, there's uh, Mithra, the original Persian deity. Uh, is holding a pole in his hand and is shining like the sun. 
and someone's taking his face off, as they are wont to do <laughs> in Eastern countries. Defacing, I believe the term is. Right. Yes, God's fall out of favour, and then their icons are defaced. Yeah. Uh, the Egyptians had a rep for that. Yeah, the Egyptians like knocking off the noses because that's where you breathe in and that's where the life force is received. Mm-hmm. And isn't that where they stick the thing up and pull your brain out? It is as well, isn't it? <laughs> the way they did that. What? Do it with the finger. <laughs> What's that on his shoulder? On his, as we look at it, the right hand shoulder. A potato waffle. <laughs> <clears throat> Gosh, no, it's almost looks a bit like. I genuinely haven't. Uh, this is the only picture I can find of the Persian Mithras, so it's it's that. I don't have any context for it, so there's oh, not much. I think it's a man it. bun. Look at the other the the the, the <laughs> figure next to him. Yeah. He's got a bun at the back going into his hair. I think it's his bun. Oh, it could be. Yeah, curly hair. Yeah. Curly it would be bun. worth counting the stages and, and things like that to see if it correlates to the sun or the moon or something like that. These things are usually astrological. And he, what about the ruffles in his pants? Would they? It's just fashion, mate. Right, okay. Yeah, he's got cowboy pants you on there. You've got, to, you you got oh. to draw the line somewhere. I don't know, they look like the gills of a mushroom to me. <laughs> well, <laughs> could well be. Uh, so these are actually riding pants. And he's dressed in a Persian rider's outfit because nice. the Persians were the original. These guys are from the steppes and <coughs> and and the, and the Caucasus Mountains. And these were the guys that brought horses into the world. And the early Europeans are particularly known for the horses. Right. Mithras himself rides a, a gorgeous white horse. Mm. So we can see the Black Sea up there. That's where they all came from. Uh, underneath is a picture of uh, Mitra as he is in the east. And there is Mithras slaying the bull as it is for the Romans. And the snake. And and a snake and a dog and Sol in the top left-hand corner. We'll get into all these things as we decode Mithras. Cool. Shall I skip? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So uh, these things are worth mentioning. As Mithra does his thing and takes his journey through the eons, you got to think that the origins of these myths are literally at the beginning of the civilization, if not way before. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they pick up a lot on the way. On the left, we've got Gilgamesh. Gilgamesh slaughters a bull. We'll see that Mithras slaughters a bull. And it's essentially the same story. Uh, we can talk about that later. I don't want to ruin Mithras. But um, yeah, him and his best mate, Gilgamesh, get into a bit of a tussle with Inanna, the goddess end up uh, having a bit of a scrap right then we've got hermes there uh by the time that the roman mithras came about we'd had the hermetica had come out and uh the the teachings of, of hermes and exa- and alexandria which has got uh, a kind of a, a mix of bits from egypt bits from persia bits from greece but you know it all kind of amasses it's a theological melting pot. It really is. Alexandria, yeah. So, uh, and he looks very happy with himself. Oh, there. he's well chuffed. Yeah. <laughs> he's, 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 he's sporting a rather large boner. Yes. Well, I can I can do a quick decoding now if you like. It's kind of interesting. So that, as Phil will know, that's the Ashlar stone that you've got to carve yourself out of. This would have been at boundary markers. We still actually use this word in English. We say kern. Have you ever seen a kern, a big pile of stones, yep. usually yeah. up in the hills? Well, that's a herm. And mm-hmm. was originally a pile of stones, same word essentially. Um, you, this totally fits in with with the myths of Mithras. We'll see later on. It's a bit of a spoiler, but there's something 
that the ancients called the sexual force, which is like a you're in a fire, the thing that drives you, which is represented by his uh, happy phallus there. Yeah. And that's the power that you use to chip yourself out of this block. And you'll use it at boundaries, at crossroads and things like that. That's why you always meet the devil at the crossroads. We'll, we'll get into this later. With the opponent? With the sexual force. Oh, right. Okay. Ready to fight. Yeah. To fight to the death with we'll, your pork sword. We'll f- <laughs> <laughs> On guard! <laughs> uh, I seem to have drawn first blood. <laughs> That's not blood, man. <laughs> So we'll see later that um, we can call this force Luciferian. And that's got a big part to play in what, what's coming up. On the right is Attis, who's very much even looks like Mithras, we'll see. He's got his Phrygian hat on there. Mm. He's got his little uh, scythe for cutting down things. And he's got something else in his hand, which I'm not sure. And he's next to a tree. What's, what's which hung is up on the tree, though? Uh, I think... It's a mushroom, but <laughs> I'm not quite sure. I haven't studied studied Attis too much, but Attis was uh, castrated in front of a tree. Oh, did it to himself? Yeah, right, like Michael Jackson. Yeah, allegedly. Well, Michael, have you heard Michael Jackson's proper voice? What do you mean? Next time voice? you get on the internet, put on Michael Jackson's proper voice. Uh, there's lots of Eddie Murphy talks about it, and he's like, yo. What's happening? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. He had a proper voice. He put that on for, because uh, he was in it weird on. Okay. All right. Fair yeah, days. look into it. Like, this... I'm sure Michael Jackson had a, a normal voice. Really? Yeah. All right. I'll, I'll look into it. Do your own research, folks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, we've uh, touched on this map before, but it's just a basic layout, isn't it, where the... <laughs> The yeah. Mithraeum are. We haven't we, really mentioned the Mithraeum yet, but I'm guessing we'll come, we'll come into up to that. The Mithraeum, but we, we can stick with this for a sec. Uh, one of the reasons why I'm looking at Mithraism is because I found some pillars in Rivington, which is a, a, a local green place near us, and that had Mithraic symbols on it. Now, seeing that there's many Mithraeum relatively locally, it makes mm. me wonder if somehow some of that information was left behind what we can do is trace the what happened to the the kind of culture of of that persian mystery tradition even though it had been synthesized by the romans uh it lived on in that in a similar form ish as these things get integrated uh, between cultures we'll see that there's like a Gnostic vibe to all this stuff. And what happened was it, it looks like this information got passed on to the Bogomils and the Cathars. Oh. And then, obviously, the Cathars were French. The Cathars came over to Britain. And the family who owned the church, who made the blocks that I found the Mithraic stuff on, had a French surname. Leon Dilton. And there are, I mean, there's one, there's at least one, two, three Mithraeum here deep in Cathar country, the Sabat region, mm-hmm. um, with the uh, the Pyrenees, just north of the Pyrenees. Yep. So I, I would think it would have happened, the, that change over there I'm talking about would have happened in somewhere like Hungary or somewhere like that. 
Yeah, that's where the Bulger Mills were, yeah. isn't it? Hungary. Cool. Cool. Should we move on? Yes, please. Next slide, please. So here we have a Mithraeum. This is uh, a posh one <laughs> from the modern day. But uh, apart from the lighting, which would have been oil lamps, uh, this is a pretty darn good reconstruction. So essentially, it's a long, narrow passageway. This particular one, I'm not sure where it is. Excuse me, I'm going to burp. <laughs> Always underground as well, like mm. a cave. Interestingly, Ooh, yeah, underground in both senses of the word, yeah, exactly, literally yeah. and uh, not literally, <laughs> <laughs> metaphorically. Yes, um, we'll we'll decode that later. Okay. Uh, so, in this particular Mithraeum, we've got uh, two sets of benches where everybody would have sat. Remember, Romans kind of tended to recline a lot of the time, and we mm. have cushions and such meals were served in here and you got to imagine it would have been full of incense and stinky and full of men and no no one's washing it would have been a strange oh yeah no women allowed by the way no women allowed they're they're possibly changing the mind on that right now but i've not really looked at the evidence and you never know these days they like to change history just because of political Mm. shenanigans so it's worth talking about uh, the different symbols. Mm. There are a series of symbols on the ground, and I like to think that each step taken uh, along this ladder of symbols gets you a step closer to understanding the main image on the altar at the back, which is the image of Mithras murdering, slaughtering the bull called the Tauroctony. And we previously said that the Mithraists, being the most secretive of secret cults, didn't have a written doctrine. Perhaps he did, and we don't have it, but uh, it looks like the, the entire thing was put into symbols. The same symbols don't appear every uh, Mithraeum. However, the Tauroctony without fail appears. Yes, it's the, the focal point. Yeah. yeah. The other uh, image that appears often is the meal between Sol, the sun, and Mithras, which is very much a reflection of the Last Supper from the Bible. There's another common image of Sol Invictus kneeling before Mithras as well. That's not Sol Invictus. Sol Sol Invictus is Mithras. Sol is conquered. We'll get into that later as well. It's very interesting (laughs) that you said that. So let's take a walk down this little aisle. Um, if we look on the left, we can see that there are several stages of initiation. Each one's related to a planet, one of the seven planets, and there were seven stages of initiation. Naturally. Of course. So there's the entrance. If we look at the image on the left, it says entrance in the very bottom left of the image. And you would walk in, and there's a well there straight away, much like the holy water when you walk into church. You would be expected to cleanse yourself spiritually by this ritual action. Around the well is the band of the zodiac. So we can imagine what we're doing just by dipping into that well. There's there's, uh, almost touching the stars. Everything that goes on in the Mithraeum is symbolic, including this cave. Just beyond... That at the well is the image of a crater, and 
in that crater would be strong line and water. So there's a liquid in there. Next to that, there's the image of an altar with a burning pine cone on top. <laughs> pine cone would be the pineal gland and mm. the the fire. Although it would be serotonin in that case, it's this inner sexual force fire that we discussed before that, that is Lucifer. So we've got this fire and water balance going on. Yeah. Above that, above the picture, the picture, not the picture, are two hats, two liberty caps, two pilius hats, which were symbolic of the freeing of slaves and were given to freed slaves as a symbol of the status once that had happened in Rome. On the 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 left hat, has a little trim of the propellers on top of the stupid hats on mm. cartoons. Well, much like that. It's like a little aerial on top. Uh, they've got a cross, which is symbolic of the pole star. And on the other hat, there's a kind of... It's difficult to show, but there's it's the path of the sun. So essentially, you've got uh, the cross of the, the... Sorry, the pole of the ecliptic and the pole of the earth. So the pole of the ecliptic is the path around which the planets travel and where the zodiac is, which is 23 and a half degrees off the axis of the Earth, as they would have seen it. We see it the opposite way around because we think we're smarty. <laughs> so uh, we've already got two things that are absolutely paramount in understanding what they're getting at with this mystery tradition. So let's move on. So we've got the... The seven grades. The first grade, Corvix, which is associated with the god Mercury. Uh, the the blackbird there, the crow, is associated with corpses and taking the souls of the dead away. If you can imagine when you'd see a crow, there's a good chance that there's a body nearby, you know, that it's landed back in the day. You know, yeah. for, for these soldier guys, you look for the crows, you're going to find bodies. But also it turns out that ravens, are very much attracted to Amanita muscaria fly agaric mushrooms. And just like they'll find corpses, they'll go and find these mushrooms. And there's um there's a bird in Africa called a honey watcher or something like that. And <coughs> the tribesmen go and find this bird and it'll show them where the honey is. And then they give it a portion of the honey and, and it goes and flies off. But it is like it'll they're using birds as sign. Funnily enough, astrologically this bird is Corvix. Uh, which is the same bird that Noah lets go to find land. Right. So this grade's associated with Mercury, who's a god of transgressing boundaries. The next grade is the Venus grade. And one of the uh, items is a diadem, which is a lady's tiara, basically. Mm. And we're kind of thinking that the initiates when they go for this grade is dressing up as a woman to kind of degrade themselves in front of other men but also to start looking at your shadow side and start looking at the feminine part of yourself and start to integrate that and not be ashamed of it anymore right because they, this is what the the cult of mithras is is all about it's about jungian psychology about integrating your shadow and becoming enlightened it's just a different way of going about it than the buddhists would have done you know the romans they felt that the parthians were very effeminate did they so did the greeks 
when they were dealing with the Achaemenids. Yeah, ah. it was they were seen like Eastern fairies. Kind of <laughs> well, the, coming from the Greeks, that says a lot because compared to the <laughs> compared to the Romans, the Romans were quite stiff. That's hard. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, which, which is funny because there's some images of Sol and Mithras together and they're not wearing any clothes and there's little willies on there. And I'm thinking, I wonder if it's similar to what happened with the Templars where there was clearly some homosexual stuff going on. Right. And because of the taboos of the time, they used that as blackmail to make sure that lips remained sealed about these mysteries. Yeah. And uh, Elagabalus, who was the emperor who was the Sol Invictus worshipper, he caused consternation coming into the Senate with his, like, makeup and jewellery and very effeminate clothing on. There's some sort of, uh, yeah, I don't know, maybe he was just a bit of a mad bastard. I don't know, probably. <laughs> yep. Get in touch with your feminine side. That makes sense. Yep. So the next, so that was Venus. Yeah. Now the next one's Mars. And the accoutrement of Mars include a helmet and a spear. That is the helmet of a man's helmet and the spear is the thing that the helmet's attached to. <laughs> so it's this penetrative, masculine, forceful nature, uh, passion and aggression and wanting to achieve things and discipline and all these other things that come from being a warrior. We've also got the, the leg of the bull, which is something that's going to come up very much when once we get to this toroctony of, of Mithras slaying the bull. Again, we've integrated something. We've 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 looked at our feminine side. Now we're looking at our masculine side, and trying to hone it like a like a tempering a sword or something like that. Turning a rough ashlar, yes, into something beautiful. The next grade is uh, oh, this is an interesting one. So this is called <coughs> the grade of the lion, and it's to do with Leo and Jupiter. Excuse me. So, to the Mithraists of all ages, the part of the myth, much like with Noah and the flood, there's a conflagration, as they say, which is a big fiery calcination of everything, burn it to the ground like a forest fire so that new things can, can come afterwards. Very much symbolized by that pine cone that's on fire. There's a lot of pine cones that open up once the forest fires come and not before. You know, that That's literally what makes the, the pines pop out. This is actually called um, serotonergic, like serotonin. And it's serotonin that sets off the pineal. So there you go. The pineal in your head. In your head. Yes. The pineal gland. I'm expecting a, a certain level of, of knowledge from, from your listeners. Seemed quite. I think you, that's <laughs> fine. Good. Thought we were going to insult them then. I could do that too if you like. Yeah. Knock yourself out. <laughs> They'll come and knock me out. So, yeah, there's this conflagration. And on this grade, which is one, two, three, four up, we can see uh, the lightning of Zeus, which to the ancients was this big whirlwind of fire, the thing that burns everything down. I'll also note for later on that mushrooms grow where there's been lightning strikes. Yeah. Next to that is a sistrum. A sistrum is uh, like a, an ancient rattle that they'd often use to open ceremonies with. Uh, it goes back to a custom where they would rattle the reeds before they go into the, the marsh because you don't know what the hell's in there. Right. So, 
yeah. like that. And it's almost like telling the gods or the demons, I'm here, I'm here. Opening the ways. So it's showing that there's a spiritual dimension to this. And then we've got this this shovel. I love this shovel. It's an ash shovel for fires, for knocking around coals and, and things like that. Well, you dig into the fire and the shovel will be fine. That's going to be you when you pass this grade. And we'll see. Um, oh, in fact, we can see now. So there is one thing in text that's probably lasted from uh, from the cult of Mithras, and that is something called the uh, Mithras Liturgy, which is in an ancient Greek papyri collection. And it looks like it's an altered version because they found it in Egypt, but it's 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 like a syncretized version of the rite of this grade, Leo. And it's a trip, basically. It's clearly a trip, and the whole getting to the, the 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 place of the mystery, as as it would be, the you know, to have the mystical experience and coming back. It's a guide. It's clearly a guide, including things to ward off when it starts getting a bit dodgy. You know, really? yeah, it's really interesting. They start off like. Uh, it's AIO, and you can tell they're in toning, and then they're popping and hissing, like they're making lightning noises, <laughs> and and summoning, um, kind of uh, asking that they have a good trip at the beginning, <gasps> and then um, so they they go through. We'll, we'll might be better to talk about later. Should we just do it now while we're in the flow? Yes, yes, let's do that. So. This, like these seven levels that we're talking about now, is is a, a journey through seven layers of reality. And at each stage, uh, you're given like a little spell to overcome that planetary god, or sometimes they're called the pole lords, the seven pole lords, or the seven fates, or seven layers of reality. And the, the bellowing and making strange noises and sitting in strange positions and making strange movements very much like uh tibetan tantric practitioners and the the breathing in says three times more than you can handle and pretend that you're breathing in light as deeply as you can <laughs> when you breathe it out bellow until the the sides of your ribs hurt and you, they must just be completely off it there's, there's a a recipe for a potion it, that includes uh, something that's called kentritis, which sounds like a local psychedelic herb, and you got to rub it on your eyes before you begin. In, uh, Take it through your eyes. Yeah, you got uh, onto your eyelids, not onto your actual eyes. <laughs> um, it's, it's, it's a really intricate, uh, obvious, guided trip. With spells in, uh, like I said, in case it goes wrong, like like silence, silence, you will be cast from my sights. And is this all just to do with the fourth stage? This is to do with yeah, that stage of Leo. The, wow, right. The the Leo the lion. Crikey! So they're already tripping by now. Yeah. Mm. Uh, you've got to understand, people listening, that these ancient mystery traditions, it's turning out after after a lot of uh, denial from the uh, guys in the academe in the academic world that they were doing lots of different drugs basically yeah. put bluntly and it's obvious it's obvious that they are just you know mm. if you're not in denial um so yeah this really interesting thing 
is that right at the end, they they pass a portal. This, this is a good place to go, actually. Uh, if we nudge it on a little bit, I'll have to tell you when to stop. Keep going. Keep going. There we go, one back, sorry. So this character uh, is called by moder modernity the Leontocephalid. <laughs> right, yeah. Uh, which basically means lion head. Mm. And I don't think it's a very cool name. Back then, he was called Aeon uh, or Saturn. And what he represents is this lord guardian at the very end of these seven. He's the guardian of the eighth sphere. There's these seven layers of reality in this eighth sphere. Which is to do with the pole, the 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 both the celestial pole off the zodiac, and our own axis of the Earth. And the ancients saw that if that point of the heavens isn't moving, we, the the Earth spins, and if you look to the the North Pole, that's the point that doesn't doesn't move. Yes. But then that must be a gateway to eternity. Time itself is has a beginning and an end, which is eternity in a sequence. When you go to eternity, it's beginning and the end at the same time. Every, everything's happening simultaneously. You just call it non-linear time. So everything's already happened and everything's boring and there's no work to be done because there's nowhere to move because everything is everything and everywhere is everywhere. And you're in this eternal now that never was and always will be. <laughs> so there's a... That, there's a Roman inscription of this dude here, the, the lion head guy with the mm -hmm. snake wrapped around him. Yeah. And I believe it's Arimanius. You, that might be the guy that, because uh, he's, he's often votive and they've paid for them. Yes. So that might be the guy's name that was, you know, really Ryan paid for this. I think that's a stretch. Uh, well, I, it doesn't matter anyway, because he, no. is, he is Ariman. He is uh, Ahura Mazda, he's Ariman, and he's, he's the... the <laughs> and the pole. Right. He's the good guy and the bad guy. What he is, is, it will, let's just break down his iconography. So he's a bloke with his legs together. That's the pole. Around him is a snake. That is the planets going around the ecliptic. Mm. Why is it a snake? Well, they were seen as being fate, you know, like in a horoscope. Saturn does this, Mars does that. Well, that's fate. So fate might do you good that week or it might do you bad that week so it's like a medicine have too much medicine it's bad for you have just the right amount of medicine it's good for you so this is the serpent because serpent can bite you and it's poisonous or you can make medicine from its blood that's nice so that's the uh the planets zooming around if you look on his body he'll often have the symbols of the zodiac so he's he's the he's the zodiac as well. He's the pole zodiac. Right. Planets going around it. He's usually got four wings, which is the four directions: north, east, south, west, and the four winds, and to show he's, he's something elevated. So we've got all these different versions of time. He carries a pole, usually. Yeah, he's, he's got the pole there. He's just a bit cut off, yeah. and two keys. The two keys are the two poles. Pole one as we said, is the pole that comes off the Earth, goes to the North Pole Star. And then pole two is the pole of the ecliptic, which is the, the plane that the planets travel around. 
And you've got to imagine that would have its own pole. It's slightly skewed off from the Earth. That would have its own pole. Mm. So those are the two keys. They're the keys to the mysteries. Why are they the keys to the mysteries? Well, they are the keys to this fiery realm, this this eighth sphere, which is the same as the platonic uh, realm of ideas. It's like the the blueprint place for everything to happen down here. It's eternity. It's everything happening all at once. So everything's already there. It's just out here, it's not all happened yet. Or some of it has happened. So it's not around anymore. Is that what the Plato called the realm of forms? Yes. Right. Where these sort of, um, what do they call them? Where something's uh, like at the form of a table. There's a... Uh, ideal. Ideal. Yeah. yeah. Form of a tree, a table. Yeah. This realm. Yeah. This is how you access it. You've got to get past Linehead. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think when he's explaining tree and, and bench and things like that, obviously those are human labels. More so, of, less of a tree. Um, I, I, what he's getting at more is like the platonic solids and things like that, which pop out of all this pole star stuff, as we remember. Mm. So, uh, yeah, the key to the mystery is that... Um, if I get if if I tell you the mystery now, I'll ruin it for a bit. No, later. go back then. Don't don't no. save it. Yeah. So we got another form of time here, which is that lion's head, which is the the head of Leo. That is particularly associated with this fiery realm. So much so, he's got a hole in the back of his head, so you could stick a torch in there and fire would come out of his mouth. Wow. This guy on the right, he's breathing fire into that crater, that mixing bowl potion, because. That fire of eternity from this fiery realm is coming through him. There is a kind of eternity in this realm, in this realm of time. That's the moment, the present moment, the everlasting now. There might be a future to come and there might have been a past, but there's always a now. We live in the ever-present now. Right. You don't live in the past or the future. No. So... That is present time. Present time is, uh, this is a Saturnian figure, obviously, a, a, a time god figure. Saturn was Kronos, time, chronology. Uh, the moment, just like Saturn eats his children, the moment is constantly burning itself. It's constantly gone, constantly gone, constantly destroyed. Yeah. So that's this part of eternity that's over here. He's breathing that eternal fire into the this realm of ideas. He's going into that potion. That potion's a sacrament. You can also see a serpent wrapped around it. You can see a serpent popping out the top. Hmm. Uh, again, that's uh, relating to the, the venom of the serpent and uh, what the ancients called pharmacon, which is medicine, which can mean poison or, or medicine. So it's, 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 cr it's crazy drugs, baby. Cool. Yeah, it's, it's such a wild icon, that guy, isn't it? He's frightening. Can you imagine seeing him? So he's, he's the bad guy and the good guy because time and fate are pretty much the same thing. You know, through time, fate happens. So it might be good things, it might be bad things. And so he's the good guy and the bad guy and the, and the null pole between that actually doesn't care at all. <laughs> so let's let's wind it back a little bit. Okay, I'm, I'm going to show you something cool. Yeah, if you go, uh, if you go back one, that'd be a good place to, to go. A picture of the the yeah, night sky. The yeah. night sky is beautiful. I need to zoom in, rotate, enhance. <laughs> yeah. 
There you go. You need, you need to put one eyebrow up like that. <laughs> yeah. Get really wispy and old. No, 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 no there. Get your monocle. <laughs> Do the sky at night. Games master. Mm. So this is, uh, it's quite faint, I see. And we've got a light shining in our faces, so it's probably even fainter. But these are the stars that all relate to the, <clears throat> the, the mystery of Mithras, the, the main story of the Taroctony. Uh, we've got Taurus, who is the, the bull in this story. Uh, we've got Orion to his left, holding his arm up there, who plays the part of Mithras in, in, at some points. And if you look above the bull, we've got Perseus, yep. just above the bull's back. Now, that is the, the definitely that plays a big part in the story of Mithras. You, you must understand that the ancients didn't have TV. They had fires and looking up. So they would. this is a picture book of memes, and you can remember the stories by this beautiful picture book. Yeah. Um, so there are lots of animals that come along with Mithras. We've got uh, a serpent, which is not on here, but it, that's Hydra. We've got the crater, which is a, a constellation called Crater. We've got the raven, which is Corvix. Uh, we've got, he's got a hunting dog, which is Canis Major, that you can see in the bottom left corner there, where it says Sirius, Canis mm -hmm. Major. That means the big dog. Uh, we said the bull. He has two friends called Cortes and Cortopates, who are the twins of Gemini. Right, they're often depicted either side of him, aren't they? In yep. the Taurotony. Mm -hmm. And you, um, one's usually holding a torch up. And one's holding the torch down. Yes. Which just screams like alchemy and, and shamanism and yeah. Yeah, as and above, so below stuff, and yeah. all that stuff. I, th I think a lot of times people get caught up because they go, oh, it's all it's all in the stars, isn't it? And, and you're like, yeah, that's really cool. And then they stay there and they don't realize that's telling you another part of the mystery. Really, it was in the stars first. Then it came into the religions and then people have decoded that and gone, oh, is this about the human body or is this about something to do with us and psychology? And sometimes you just get stuck in the stars. Mm. However, uh, so we should actually tell the, the, the story of Mithras, I think. Yeah. Can we kind of try and breeze through it? <laughs> do you need the stars up there? Or, uh... Uh, I will need uh, different images to jog my memory. So right. if, if we go back one or two. That, that's fine. That that's one? the one, yeah. I know we didn't quite finish off the uh, stages of initiation, but you can quite imagine that we're going through these different levels. I don't think I'd get past four anyway, mate. No, no. You know, something, something got you'd, you'd have a bad trip. <laughs> <laughs> right, c could you blow this up for us? Just so I've got a reference. There you go. Thank you. So Mithras is born from an egg. Is is uh, from a raging lust alone, it said. So straight away we've got the image of a a willy, <laughs> but also this raging lust, which I'll refer you back to this sexual force, which I'll give you a little clue is that same fire in that fiery realm. So he's born in front of a river and in front of a tree. There's lots of gods that do this. Attis cuts his genitals off in front of a tree. Uh, Demuzid is is found under a tree. Uh, lots of other guys are found under a tree. And every time he's got something to do with a penis. And I will say that Amanita muscaria, the red fairy tale mushroom, grows from under a tree. And it's almost always a pine tree. Mm. 
he's born with his legs together, wearing only a red hat, Mithras. And on that red hat has the stars. That red hat is called a Phrygian cap or a Liberty cap, as we would know it. Yes, the same thing as a Liberty cap mushroom is named after. As we can see in the image in the top left, he has the 12 of the Zodiac around him. And he's kind of reaching up into it as if he might grab hold of it and turn it a bit. And that is something that he does later on in his, his mystery. Right. So straight away, Mithras is a boss hunter. He's really good at what he does. And everyone seems to get along with him. Uh, the word Mithras means friend. It means to bind. So it, it could mean friend or contract or a few other things like that or to tie or to meet. Right. And on the, on the right panel, we can see the Tauroctony and lots of other stages of Mithras's life. These would have been in almost every Mithraeum. What's very annoying about it is that it's all scrambled and out of order and probably there to confuse anyone that might stumble upon it. But let's have a go at decoding the myths of Mithras quite quickly. So, Around the outside, we've got the four winds, which are sent by the bad guy, Ariman, or Saturn, to slow Mithras down, as, as they would. Each have their own flavour of, of annoyance. One's warm, one's cold, one's dry, etc. <coughs> if we see around those four guys in circles around the outside, in the first squares down, we can see the four seasons. So already we're dealing with time. Uh, underneath those uh, different depictions, we can see on the right, uh, third panel up, that's Mithras in the nude as an archer. Uh, the Persians were particularly famous for being horse riders and wicked archers. Yeah. Sol, the sun, who we can see in the gold chariot on the top layer that's shaking Mithras's hand, mm -hmm. and Luna, which is in the opposite chariot coming downwards. Uh, the other two that are always present. Less so in these. They normally have circles of their own and are looking down and obviously influencing things. So Sol sends Mithras on a hunt to go and find the sacred cow. What does a sacred cow mean? Well, we've already said it, it's material wealth. It's things that you might desire. It's your at once your animal self and your animal desires. It's related to Venus. Uh, as the morning star and Venus as um, well Venus means desire it's those things that you desire why am I saying it's related to Venus well Venus rules as astrologers would say rules Taurus and there's lots of evidence to say that, it, that they knew this as well so Mithras goes on a hunt early on and we can see him stuck out at the top of a tree. If, if we look at top left of that image, you can see Mithras poking out the top of a tree. Yep. Yep. Uh, what's happened is he, he's gone up to this tree picking the fruit and then, oh, this is great. He's already been sent off on a hunt and he's been distracted. He's, he's, he's not even seen the bull yet and he's going, oh, lovely fruit, sweet, this fruit. And he's gone, oh, shit, there's a snake in that tree. Sounds familiar, this, doesn't it? There's a snake in that tree. He's like, oh, hang on a minute. This is a distraction. I'm looking for, I'm eating these sweet fruits and I should be looking for that bull. I'll climb the tree and I'll look out from a higher perspective <laughs> and he spots the bull 
And the, the snake comes out of the tree and he makes mates with the snake. Instead of it being against him, because he's Mithra's friend to everybody, he makes mates with the snake and it ends up helping him on his hunt. Right. This is, um, in a modern medical sense, this is the spine, which is the serpent in the tree. The tree is the, the, uh, the pathways, the nerve endings coming off. The fruit is your endocrine glands, which spit sweet juicy hormones from that fruit do you know what i mean and do you indulge in the dopamine or do you hang on and bask in the serotonin later on do you know what i mean dopamine is addictive dopamine's there quickly serotonin's on you know dopamine's i'll play that game i'll I'll get on facebook or whatever i'll i'll do something quick and easy and it gives me a bit of dopamine and i want more Serotonin's not like that. Serotonin's the win of it at the end of a race 20 minutes later. Serotonin's, I've done that amazing thing. Uh, serotonin's, you know, delayed satisfaction, essentially. And from this, he gets a higher perspective. Gets out of the tree, sees that bull. He, got, he gets the bull. First of all, the bull takes him for a ride. And he's trying to keep hold of it. And then he managed to wrestle it. And he sticks it over his shoulders. You can see there next to the, the guy in the tree. Oh, by the way, when he's looking at the tree, normally on hieroglyphs, they always look sideways, left or right. Well, he's breaking that convention and he's looking through the fourth wall through that tree. <laughs> mm. The original fourth wall yeah. break. Mm. So anyways, he's gone and got this bull and it's a right pain in the backside. And he can't keep hold of it. In fact, he takes it back to the cave and it escapes again. And so I was like, Mithras, come on now. You've got to slaughter that bull. And Mithras was like, oh, bloody hell. I don't want to do it, man. It's a nice bull, this. And, and I want to ha- have my cake and eat it. Kind of an idea. Do you know what I mean? He's, he's got to sacrifice his... Why do I have to sacrifice the bull? The bull's Taurus, the bull. And this is the end of an age. The fact that we've talked about the, the two poles, the ecliptic pole and, and the axis of the Earth, is getting at something called precession, the precession of the equinoxes. There's a secondary movement to to the the sky that goes backwards. So if you woke up 2,160 years after the current age, right now on the ecliptic, you can see, uh, what is it? Uh, I think it is Pisces, just about Pisces. Now we're heading towards the edge of Aquarius. We're cusping. Yes. But if you woke up 2,160 years from now, you'd see the next one on, which is the age of, you'd see Aquarius going into Capricorn because these things go backwards. So in order for time to move on, in order for dawn to come, in order for spring to come, Mithras has got to kill that bull for the same reasons we talked about with the lion and the the time-devouring nature of the moment. It's got to go. The moment's got to go. And if you don't fertilize this moment with the things that you've got now, the fields will be fallow. So Mithras looking away, which is another sign of him uh, doing this procession of the equinoxes because they move backwards. (laughs) Normally it would be Aries, Taurus, Gemini. But in this case, it's Gemini, Taurus, Aries. Backwards we go. So he's, he's got to move the age on. And once he's killed that bull... From its tail grows wheat, from its blood, new things grow. All the good herbs and and foods are said to grow from the bull. What it really is, is like with the Apis bull, um, 
the ancients realized that you've got to sacrifice in order to get things out of it. You know, you've got to sacrifice time in, in order to master something. You've got to sacrifice that bull in, in order for there to be enough room in the herd for more bulls. Uh, so <coughs> sacrifice meant a lot to them. They used to sacrifice the king. And it's acknowledged that when they sacrificed the Apis bull, that they were really sacrificing Osiris and really sacrificing the pharaoh. The bull's the next most expensive thing. So you, you're killing what you love. And it's the feminine. So you, you, you're killing the feminine in you. In this case, the feminine is all those parts of you. As a warrior, and this is a warrior cult, as warrior, all those parts that are nostalgic, you know, all those parts of you that, that basically need to go when you're on that battlefield or for you to live a fulfilling life in, the, in this kind of role. So he, he kills that bull. The age moves on. The, the spring comes and everything's beautiful again. Now, there's a metaphor in here, and that is this renewal can happen to you if you kill the bull of your animal passions. The animal passions being the vices. As, a, as opposed to virtues. Now he does this in a cave. What's the cave? The cave's your skull. <laughs> it's also Plato's cave. Oh! Which, outside of which, was uh, Aeon, which is a name for the fiery realm of ideals. Aeon is the name of that god with the lion's head and the four wings and, the, and everything wrapped around him. So we're dealing with this uh, eternity thing. Once Mithras has killed that bull... Sol comes down and congratulates him. The mates now, he's, he's done this thing that the Sol couldn't achieve. Because the sun, Sol, can't move the stars. Oh, wow. Right. But Mithras can. <laughs> Mithras is actually linked to, to Venus as the, the rebel, as Lucifer. Because Venus ri rises in the morning, and because it actually orbits around the sun... It never really that, it's never really that far away from the sun. So you'll see it in the morning because it's close to the sun. It comes up before and it's not been drowned out by the light yet. So you'll see it in the morning. And you might see it in the evening because the sun's already gone. Other than that, it looks like it's going, oh, I can do this, I can do this. And then the sun goes, I had no chance, mate. <laughs> and then it's, it's been drowned out. Yeah. So at night, it's seen to go into the underworld. In the day, it's seen to try and, you know, beat the sun. So it's this rebel character, and it comes at twilight hours, and twilight's got a lot to do with these shamanistic adventures because you're in a twilight place where the sun and the moon meet, the sun being the conscious mind, the moon being the subconscious. And when those two things meet, you get the alchemical marriage and these trippy, you know, these drug trips. And you can do it off your own body chemistry, as we, I explained before with the serotonin. Um, but it's, it's, it's a drug trip because and probably that, bre that breathing those breathing oh, yeah. oh, absolutely. exercises yeah. that you were talking about before could probably induce and you've got a psychedelic experience i think there'd be like frankincense and mare and other trippy incenses you know probably cannabis and all sorts in there so sol takes mithras up but just before that happens uh they have a um, sorry let, let, let me let me backtrack a little um first of all Mithras goes, hey, I can have your crown. <laughs> and it, and Sol's like, cheeky cheek. And he goes, hey, no, wait a minute, mate. I slaughtered the bull, done that thing that you couldn't do. And he holds the bull's leg above his head. We can see 
in the top row, oh. sorry, the second row down, he's holding a bull's leg over him. Uh, the, bull, the bull's leg is a cheeky reference. Let's do this whirlwind quickly. It, it's, it's tough to get your head around, but the leg of the bull is the plow. The plow looks like a bull's leg. It was called the leg of the bull in Egypt and lots of other places. Sumeria. Everywhere. The leg of the bull is a polite reference to the willy of the bull. The willy of the bull looks like a willy. A mushroom looks like a willy. Mushrooms come from the cow. They grow on cow poo and they look like willies. Did I mention they look about willies? I think you did. So the stab spot where Mithras stabs the bull and slaughters it is if you look on Taurus, that's where the Pleiades is. The Pleiades looks exactly like the plow. Yeah, but tiny. But tiny and nebulous and beautiful and was associated with the seven vices. Uh, Orion chases them and he, he fancies them, basically. Again, it's his vices. Uh, so they're saying this, the kill point, the thing that you kill it with, is this thing in the neck of the bull, which is the leg of the bull. And the leg of the bull is the leg of the bull. And he's like, you go in the neck of the bull, leg of the bull. What does this mean? And then it is, it's a mushroom. But to the point where <laughs> Alistair Crowley, on one of his tarot cards, associated with Taurus, the Taurus card, he, he, he's got a Persian guy, the neck of the bull on one side and the leg of the bull on the other side of his, his neck as if he's carrying it like Mithras carried it. Yeah. And on the leg of the bull, one one hoof terminates in a hoof and the other hoof terminates in a mushroom. mushroom. I remember the slide. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, and we'll see lots of mushrooms very soon, I promise you. Because I know it's one of the more unbelievable things, even though I've talked about platonic realms of ideas. Uh, it's one of the more difficult things to get your head around. However, they have a meal where they cook the leg of the bull and the flesh of the bull and they lie on the, the rug of the bull. <laughs> <laughs> the hide of the bull and they have a nice meal we can see that meal in, in the bottom left there that's what i was saying it that's roman and you've got uh you've got two naked fellas there like cuddling up to each other so there's a but they are merging with each other this is where we said a minute ago the sun couldn't defeat what mithras could do the sun can't move the stars mm. and i corrected you before and i said what people think Sol Invictus is, isn't Sol Invictus. Mithras is Sol Invictus. Sol is Sol. Because the way the ancients saw it, the sun got conquered every goddamn day. Right. Every time it goes night. Exactly, yeah. But Mithras is a different sun. He's a hypercosmic sun. He's the sun that shines the light in this fiery realm. A dark sun. He's the black sun. Oh, dear. But well, it's, I it's, don't like with this. I know, going. it sounds scary. It, All it, it literally just means that it's not a physical object. This is the root source of the energy of the universe. Basically, it's the fiery realm. And all the energy and all the time and, it, and all the space comes through this still point at the North Pole. It's the still point. It's a portal because that's, that still point's just like eternity. There's no time at a still point. Yep. So Mithras, having eaten this meal and drank this potion, and if we look at that... Uh, image on the bottom left they're under two roses you know what sub rosa means under the rose which means is a sign of secrecy which i think is pretty cool and mm -hmm. let's also say that uh roses are red flowers and the mushroom there uses a mush the red fairy tale mushroom 
So there's links there again. And they've made a table, a mushroom-shaped table from bull's legs. Legs, yeah. Um, so at this point, Mithras is taken up to the heavens and deified. He goes back to this fiery realm, also called the Empyrean, also called Eternitas. <laughs> and he, he moves the heavens. What does that mean? Well, it means that the good God... And the bad god haven't had the way. The good god's happy about it, so the bad god who is the the uh, Arimanus or Arimanius, which one was it? Mm-hmm. Um, the the Leontocephaly, the lion-headed guy from before. Who's? It's fair to say that he's uh, the bad guy to the ignorant, but to the good guy, he's a guardian because the devil, time, Satan, Saturn is your best teacher. If you see that snake, that forked tongue snake, you know that you should beware. And if you've got your guard up, and if you're aware, like Mithras at the top of that tree, that snake's not going to get one over on you. It can become your friend. It's like George and the dragon, but he doesn't kill the dragon. He, he best buddies with it, and they go down the pub. But they don't drink. <laughs> Let's have a drink. Yeah. So, yeah, he goes up to the heavens and he turns the world, this processional turn, which is essentially saying that no one's got the upper hand. Mithras can always turn it himself. He instigates the the procession to the next age, leaving mm. the age of Taurus, the bull, and into the next age. That's what we're representing. Indeed. And if we pull down all this highfalutin philosophy into the individual, Mithras is a guide... I mean, as in a guidebook, not just a guide, to have that experience yourself, to go beyond the bounds of fate. The whole point in a in a trip, in a mushroom trip particularly, or uh, any DM mushrooms main active ingredient is dimethyltryptamine with a few extra carbon molecules on the end. Dimethyltryptamine is the most potent psychedelic we know of and, and is produced by the body. From serotonin. You get enough serotonin going, you can produce DMT yourself. Seems to be mostly around the lungs and the pineal gland. Uh, so once you have this experience, people that have got really bad psychological conditions, it's not a case of you take enough mushroom and you'll be cured of it. It's you take enough mushroom and have the mystical experience. That's the cure. What is the mystical experience? Well, speaking from personal experience, it is... Being in a place where your consciousness has nothing else to comprehend, space, time, yourself, apart from itself, you're just aware. It's just a pure awareness. And it's like being God because there's nothing else there. That's what God is, isn't it, in, in theory? God is the whole the thing. The singularity, yeah. yeah. So that's what it feels like. And you're not, you're not sat there thinking, oh, I've taken all these weird mushrooms. You're just uh, in a bliss state, um, like bathing in love and then for me personally i was like oh this is magical i'm bored out my tree i want to come back (laughs) (laughs) and then you appreciate life a lot more you have an experience of this fiery realm you have an experience of eternity in one place which is cancelled it cancels itself out like the four wings and all those different uh types of time on on that lion-headed guy they just cancel each other out 
The other thing they say in that Mithras liturgy is that you can petition Mithras for uh, an awakening, for some information as well. And I know when I've been in those places that you do kind of get downloads of like understanding. And if you can hold on to the bugger, like trying to land a fish, if you can hold on to that fish, you can you can have it, but it's difficult to hold on to. And sometimes, quite frankly, it's beyond words anyway. So, yeah, you can spend like a year or several. I've spent 10 years trying to pull that particular trip apart. Oh, I remember reading that book about the cosmic... Was it called The Cosmic Serpent? Yeah, not really. About the, the shamans <clears throat> in South America. And they, they, they're they adamant that the DMT trees, the serpents right. in the DMT trip taught them which plants to, mm-hmm. you know, they, they, they could read the DNA, essentially. It was like, um, it's a trip, but a useful trip. You mentioned downloading information. Yeah. And uh, people just write off for for hundreds of years. They were they were just called psychotic. Yeah, like the uh, the ethnographers mm. just labelled them as as off the rocker. Like, mm. but things are starting to change. I feel yes. in that mm. regard, it's not starting to take these guys seriously. That they actually, it's like all the drugs that you know are, are the big farmer that big farmer sells. <laughs> you know, they're all based on they're all based on on trees and herbs yeah. and mm-hmm. roots and uh, the. The uh, big pharma companies were straight into South America and Central America, taking all Sherman's ideas, sw- swap a molecule here and there, patent it. Yeah, patent it. Yeah. And uh, they never got paid. They got paid a dime for the troubles going on the trips and talking to the DMT serpents for our benefit. Anyway, I digest. Well, it's got to be said, though, that thanks to those people... Uh, the New Age has got an interest in it all. And there's been, probably because of the New Ages, frankly, that acceptance has come about by by the academics. Because the New Age and universities kind of go together, don't they? Because if you're going to be any kind of religious fundamentalist while you're at university, it's probably going to be some hippie type. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because that's easily accessible and easy to get your head around because it's mostly nonsense. <laughs> It's what you want it to be, isn't it, that week? So, um, as I said, this is a guide for the initiate as well. Now, I want to show you something really cool before we go into the... Hang on. Oh, my fault. I've got to uh, zip out and then move on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, keep going. And again. This one. Ooh. This is interesting. That looks like so, a swastika. Yeah. The earliest Indo-European symbol is the swastika, and one that we all share. And you can see uh, the, the 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 story of the of the travel log of the swastika by where it's gone and this religion by where it's gone. You know, Buddhists use it, Tibetans use it, uh, Indians use it. We used it until recently, until the Nazis got hold of it and ruined it all. But... Yeah. Uh, you know, you can see it in Native Americans used it. Uh, it was everywhere. Probably the oldest symbol. And it does represent the plough going around <coughs> the pole star. We've seen, we all know the plough, the Ursa Major, the Great Bear. Now, there's uh, a guy called, uh, he's got a cool name, Reza Asasi. Reza Asasi. And 
he knowing what we were talking about before about the two different poles which by the way the two poles the two pillars of the masons and the yeah. two pillars at the front of um solomon's temple um at the top of the pole of the earth is the swastika as we know it the plow but then there's this other pole so what's at the top of that and Reza Assassi noticed that, that if we look at the center stars, where the cursor is right now for us, um, you can see that the only asterism you can really make out is a cross. Can you, can you see? This bit, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that bit there. So that's the swastika going in the opposite direction, which is really cool. That's right in the center of the image. If yeah, and, and that is the, uh, the pole of the, the ecliptic, the pole of the zodiac and the planets, the the not collective plane, the, the plane of the solar system. Solar system, yeah. So if we go forward one, you have to blow it up. Kaboom. Oh, it's a bit dim here. Oh, what a shame. Uh, what he did was he took Mithras uh, doing the Tauroctony and he laid it over the top of that and it fits. I'm sure everybody at home can see. <laughs> With this bright light shining in our face, so it's pretty tough. He took the Torotony, that image it, that was in the square, the sort of the main yeah, the, image. the main image of him stabbing that bull. Right. And he laid it over the top of it, and it fits. That center of the solar system pole. Yes. Wow. Right, perfectly. That's amazing. Because you've got like, you, like I said, you've got the dog, you've got the scorpion chewing on the the bull's testes, mm -hmm. and it's all these constellations fit into it. Yeah. It's it's oh. Uh, <laughs> It's different things at different times. Like we said, it's like TV. You're going, oh, there's this and there's that. Sometimes it's Perseus because it, it fits the story. He's right. killing the bull. Sometimes he's chasing the bull, so he's Orion because Orion's stood in front of the bull trying to chase it down. The archer. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there's no, <coughs> right, it's not It's not very fixed. It's quite fixed, but not very fixed. And they're quite at liberty to say, oh, there's this second pole. And and that's that's the idea of Mithras. Because oh. like we said, he, the, the energy of Mithras comes through. Right, um, so Mithras has kind of been deified now. <laughs> What's really funny in the Mith Mithras liturgy, first of all, you meet uh, Aeon, that, the god on the, the, the guardian god at the gates. Then you meet uh, Sol, and then you meet Mithras, and they all come in, out in light. And you must look to the center of the light and see a beautiful image of a young man the first young man's wearing a white tunic with a red cape. He's in a mushroom. And that's Sol. And then the, the second guy comes out, and it's Mithras, and he's wearing gold pants, <laughs> a white tunic, and a gold hat. And if you look at... Uh, there's, there's two main species of magic mushroom, um, psilocybe and Amanita. Amanita's the red Mario mushroom. Psilocybe's like a, a classic... Um, kind of plain beige mushroom, really, but with a golden top and with golden legs, which is fun. Um, they give you an extra life as well, don't they? they the do. One-ups. One One-ups, One yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, sorry, can we look at the images again? I know we've just found our faces. Hello, everybody. Uh, just go flick through. Ad Forward. Advance. I'm not sure. I just threw That's the together. last one, I think. Oh, no. There we go. Is, I think we so, might have missed the odd one in the middle as well, but... 
We can have a look at those in a minute. Enhance. So this is the uh, imagine traveling through the realms. That triangle with the rose at the top is, is the Imperium, the, uh, the fiery realm. Right. We can see the, the realm of the earth is in the center. And we got the moon. Why is there a traffic cone at the bottom of the earth? Students. <laughs> <laughs> Mushrooms, isn't it? Students. They've camped on top as well, though. No, so, um, the stripes, the red and white stripes are associated with poles everywhere. Even Native America from, from thousands of years ago, they had a red and white stripy pole like your barbershop. Yeah. Yeah. So that's Mount Meru, which is the center Ooh. of the earth. It's, it's, uh, it's the Axis Monday again, basically. Yeah. Then we've got uh, the moon, Mercury, Venus, the sun. The sun's always in the center. So I'm not quite sure if they didn't know the sun was in the center of the cosmos. Because he's always in the center. It's it's, <coughs> it's always from a geocentric perspective, but isn't life from a, a geocentric You know, you're the middle. You're, you're my, my life's middle. a philocentric <laughs> philocentric. <laughs> Philharmonic. Uh, then we've got Mars, Jupiter, and Saturn, and these are pretty much in the same order, pretty much in the same order as the Mithraic initiations. Oh, yeah. Then we've got the starry realm, and beyond that, the Imperium, the Eternitas, and we can see that famous alchemical image of your man uh, poking his head out. Whoa. Next to the tree. Don't stick your head out of there, man. Whoa. And that's, like you mentioned Perseus before, there's um, the Perseus... Um, constellation is often I'm sure it's often uh, aligned to mythical feet, pe people who wash their faces and wash their heads what about uh, in, the milk, in the milky way oh because he dips his head up there dips yeah. his head yeah, he's, he's, well, oh, your man uh, Midas, King Midas oh turn uh, to, to, shit to gold yeah to, to, to avoid the curse to get rid of the curse he has to follow the milky way and bathe his head in the milky way jump into the the um, the waters to remove the curse a bit like that guy there. I'll tell you something interesting about Perseus Perseus is Mithras the, yeah. the, the two the two characters <coughs> form, form together in many ways we keep talking about mushrooms uh, Perseus on, on his way back from having uh I think he was slaying the Gorgon, cutting off Medusa's head. Um, he drops the end of his, his you got to imagine a sword, a scabbard. Well, on the end of their scabbard, so the sword didn't stab through, they'd have a little mushroom cap. And he drops his mushroom cap off the end of his sword when he's flying around on Pegasus. And it hits the ground. And he goes down there, and he, it, where he's dropped it, he finds a mushroom. And he picks the mushroom, and from underneath the mushroom is a, a wellspring. And he's like, oh, it's sweet water, this. And then he goes, I like it so much here. I'm going to I'm gonna make a city. And he calls it Mushroom Mycenae. <laughs> and when I looked at Mycenae, it's a walled city in the shape of a bull's leg. No. Boom. Really? Yeah. Fuck you. So Mycenae is the, the ancient forerunner to Greece, the Bronze yeah. Age for, forerunner yeah. to ancient Greece. Like the earliest. And the, these... Agamemnon and all that shit. All them guys. Yeah. The, the first European, according to the myths, is Europa, who travels in on the back of a bull. Well, what's on the back of a bull? It's the Pleiades again, on the neck of the bull. That's what's on the back of the bull. And she comes over, she's supposed to be a, a Phoenician, and she's picking red flowers. And then Zeus comes down as a bull and, and whisks her off to Crete, where the Minotaur 
is in fact there's the Minotaur's born because Pacifier, some bent, uh, <laughs> fancies fancies uh, a uh, Jupiter, uh, uh, Ju- yeah, Zeus as a a cow, and she can't have it, and and she she disguises herself as a mechanical cow, so he comes and rapes her, and and then the the production of that is. The Minotaur. Minotaur, yeah. But then the son of the Minotaur is this guy called Glaucus, who is who stains blue and must be preserved in honey and goes through all these other mushroom things. Right. He's, he's like quite clearly a mushroom Glaucus. Mm. Uh, oh, something else about Perseus as well is he's conceived by a golden shower. And if you know anything about uh, Amanita muscaria, is that urine's linked with it because the body processes the ibotenic acid that's that's present in the the mushroom, and actually strengthens it once it's been through the body. I think three or four times. Yeah, you're supposed, aren't you supposed to drink the urine? Yes. After you've eaten, mm-hmm. to get the full hit. Gross. So go and meet meet Aeon. If you want to go and meet Aeon, you yeah. got to drink. You got to do. You got to do the wee four wing. times. Four times. <laughs> Yeah. Hey, small price to pay to be, you know, ten to the eighth realm. Yes, to get escape <laughs> the seven spheres and mm. It's great, it's just boring. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I heard somebody else said that, that once you get there, it's like that's enough to last you for the rest of your life. Cause it's not, I think I think uh according to the myths, it's that eternity i.e. all time happening all at once. Nothing's happening, uh, and you can't understand yourself because you're already there. This is the mind of God. So it, it's yeah. got to play the drama out in time to know itself. Yeah, this is why we get sent down to this realm, is it not? I, it, I'm not sure about anything, but it no, feels that way. It feels like it, it's a game where you've got to level up and gain your soul. Lisa Simpson said... Uh, your soul isn't something that you're necessarily born with. It's a cup that you fill up over your life. Wow. That's incredibly prophetic mm. isn't it? for The Simpsons. Mm. It's that early Simpsons when it was good. Mm. So let's see what else, what other treats we have. have, we, have we... We've gone non-linear, I think. I'll have to uh, press that button and then this one. We'll go backwards. Yeah, we'll go back. We've done the, the stars. This is the famous this, image. Yeah, it's a famous one, this. Uh, if you open it up, one book I've not read is the one book I probably should read, which is Carl Ruck's book, uh, The Mushroom Cult That Enlightened Europe. Oh. Talking about this, and this is the image from the front. And I'm like, why has he got this one on the front? And I'm like, oh, clearly. If you look at his skirt, can you see all the mushrooms, in obvious yes. mushrooms in his skirt? Yeah. Now, we were talking about cortis and cortopatties, which are the two guys on the left and right. One holds his torch up, one holds his torch down. And as they would say in the macabre tradition of the uh, the Jews, which was another mystery tradition that was all to do with the pole, macabre means chariot, like the chariot of the plough. Right, yeah. It used to be called chariot. In England, it was called Arthur's Wayne. A Wayne is a chariot, as in King Arthur. King Arthur's the pole star. Twelve... Knights of Zodiac, (laughs) you know what I mean? What was I saying then? I've lost my track. You're just talking about the two twins. Two twins. One up, one down. One up, one down. So you go in to go out. 
obviously you're tripping balls. So it's not like you're getting on a rocket and actually going up to the fiery realm. You, you're going within. And then once enough of the resistors that are your ego, that your sense of time, your sense of space, your sense of self, once they're pulled away from you, you do end up in this, this realm of eternity. It's eternal because you've got no idea what time is. Time doesn't exist. No. No. If something happened in the room, I must say, if something happened, you could pull yourself back and go, fucking hell, strong mushrooms, this. Oh, yeah, it's my house on fire. I better get out. You know, you're not, you're not like, stupefied. But when you're relaxed and calm and, and, you know, much like when you're nodding off, but much more profound. <laughs> you know, is, is anything to do with this to do with brainwaves? You know, like the alpha and your theta and... Uh, yes. Resonance with, oh, what's the underlying resonance of planet Earth? What's the name for it? Oh, uh, the human cavity. Resonance. Human frequency. Yeah, yeah seven point eight three hertz. Same as same as yours. Isn't that? Um, it's the border between theta and, and alpha. And, and alpha, yeah. yeah, yeah. Is that something? Does the psychedelic you think help tune that? Uh, when I had my personal experience, once I got over to that no that null place, that was it. It was like bathing in love. And that love was a frequency, like a that was everything. That was all that there was. And it was bliss. I think it was bliss because there was nothing else to think about. There was just just being. And so it's, it's naturally blissful. Uh, thinking, you, you think most of the time because you've got a problem to solve. You don't think, oh, what a wonderful beach. <laughs> you're going, oh, you just, that's from your heart. You know what I mean? You, you breathe in and, oh, you're not thinking. And when you're not thinking in these places, I think that your natural disposition is happiness and bliss. And yeah. And when, you, when you're relieved of all, all the troubles of the world, everything reunites. And it is, coming back, it is totally like a, a, a rebirth. Like it's this, that trip is the reason why I've studied all this stuff. I kind of done it backwards. What would have been the revelation at the end? I had it right at the beginning. Yeah, you went to level seven. <laughs> At eight. the beginning. Eight. Eight, sorry. You should have started at level one, Ryan. I know. I cheated. I used the code. Up, up, down, <laughs> down, left, code. right. Down, left, right. A no. start. Magic mushroom. Yeah. <laughs> Finish <laughs> And then went, blue, 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 blue. <laughs> and got bigger. <laughs> so, um, is one's pointing up, that's the spring. One's pointing down. So you got to think that... Uh, Taurus, although it's it's a sign of spring because you see it on the dawn in spring, just before the sun pops up. You see it at the opposite end of the year in the night sky. So it's like in, in autumn that you're seeing it at mushroom season. And they were noting uh, the movement of herds by the Pleiades popping up. So you can quite imagine they're going, oh, it's mushroom season. And so the guy pointing down is pointing to mushroom season. The guy pointing up is pointing to spring. As we spoke about in those previous uh, podcasts way back, this is Saturn season. Saturn lives in the underworld, and there's lots of death and resurrection things that go on there. And uh, Scorpio, which which is um, Cotto Patti's, the guy pointing down, he is Scorpio. You'll see, not on this one, but he'll have Scorpio next to him, the scorpion. Yeah. The scorpion's actually biting the bollocks of the bullock. Yeah, the bullocks of the bullock. Yeah. Mm. Um, it's finishing him off because he's, he's opposite. Whatever, you know, signs always come in pairs, like the bread and fish of Jesus is is Virgo, the wheat holder carrier, and the fish is Pisces. They are these 
things come in pairs. Polar opposites. Yeah. So uh, the downwards part of this, the winter part, is the shamanic experience, and there's, there's a whole death in Capricorn and cleansing in Aquarius, the waters of Aquarius, and then a mystical experience in Pisces as you pop back up again in, in Aries, and Taurus is like the real beginning of the year. You could call Aries false spring and, and Taurus actual spring. Another thing worth mentioning while we got this image up, which I don't think we mentioned, um, going back to the Mithraeum, which were the, the underground cave-like temples, they had a, a hole to the outside world, and on the spring equinox, the sun would enlighten this image, the main That's... image, the focal point of the temple. Mm. Just a little astro-theological connection there. Yeah, yeah. For the spring. What, uh, what they're really doing, whenever you see astro astronomical images, astrological images, it's astrotheological. And what that really is, it's, it's about you. We, we, can, we can put it out to the macrocosm, but that's not very relatable for most people. You are an immediate universe in yourself. You are uh, a, a sun and a moon and a, and, and a Mars and a, and a Jupiter. These are different parts of your body and different aspects of your own psyche. So it's always best to... to to have the knowledge that eventually all these things are about you and they're not about the stars or the sun. The, su the sun's like you in the morning, it wakes up and then it, it's midday and you're hitting your best and then it goes to sleep at night. It's you. Yeah. There's, there's a famous um, revelation of the Zodiac where there's a man bent backwards around the Zodiac, his feet at Pisces and the top of his head at Aries. And each one of these signs represents a part of the body. That's why the, the scorpion's stinging at, at the bull's testicles, because the scorpion's at the level of your testicles. Cool. Right, so I'm, I must say one last thing just to to finish that off, unless we have anything else to say. I mean, there's so much to go, to go on, but I think we, you can get bogged down and all. Um, this is the survival of a very ancient science. That science is in the time associated with the possession of the equinoxes. And if you want to find out about this very sacred science based on harmonies, watch the previous episodes that say Ryan Seven Amish Inquisition on them. Uh, and you'll find out all about that. It seems to be a preservation of a science that goes way back further than even the first recorded religions and it always includes the mushroom but it always includes some very highly magical maths that seem to be a basis of the universe which is one of the things that they're getting at with this fiery platonic realm that it leaks through and that leakage is really the number system that then conducts the harmony of the universe of the cosmic spheres we're talking about pythagorean number theory then the sort of the the theology of the the monad and the doad and the tetrad and that this is how the universe created you have a well it's like i mean the, the physicists have confirmed what they were saying thousands of years ago that there is a singularity and that some this singularity divides and creates a duality and yep. from this there's this massive explosion an instantaneous explosion out of nothing or out of something yeah. Is that what we're getting Who, who is it? Give give me one miracle and I can give, give you physics. Give me one free... <laughs> one, uh, it's Terence McKenna, weren't it? Yeah, it's Terence. Give me one free mir miracle and we'll explain the rest. How do you get something out of nothing? But you can't. 
so I'd like to add something to that. And um, something I was talking to Phil about very briefly uh, on, on Messenger the other day. Um, so a lot of this stuff relates to a book called Hamlet's Mill, very famous <laughs> and garbled book. And the point in that book is the saying that there's a, a lot of myths that seem to encode a very ancient science. I have delineated this science in, in the podcast that I've done. It's the science of harmony and numbers and astronomy and time. Ti the timing of the planets, the timing of the stars, and then astronomical dif distances and things like that. Very complex. It's fun, though, once you get into it. Atlantis. Oh, yeah. In Hamlet's Mill, they say this story is basically, there was this mill in the sky. It was turned. The mill broke and fell in the sea. That's it, isn't it, essentially? And it doesn't explain it much more than that other than telling you lots of examples. Now, I had a bit of an epiphany, and it's related to all this Mithraic stuff. So at some point, sorry, forget that, Atlantis. Atlantis. Do you know why Atlantis is called Atlantis? What's the net word Atlantis? Is it the Atlantic Ocean or the Atlas Mountains? It's Atlas himself. Oh, the god. The, the god, god Atlas. Atlas. Do you know what Atlas does? He has a world on his shoulders. He, he holds the heavens on his shoulders. Sorry. So Atlantis is named after a guy that holds the heavens on his shoulders, the pole star. <laughs> you know, the pole and the pole star, Atlas. Well, surely if everything seems to be astrotheological, we should be looking up. Now you've got the central... Uh, Atlantis was said to be made of several rings. A yep. central point, one ring, uh, some water, another ring, some water, another ring. Lots of water. The pole star, when you look up, is surrounded by uh, a lot of stars that are called the circumpolar stars. Those, those are the immortal stars that never set. They never dip below the ocean. Then you've got another ring of stars... And then you've got the Zodiac as another ring of stars. Atlantis speaks of a perfect age. Now, the problem with the Zodiac and the calendar and all those things is that you'd love it to be 360 days in a year. Because, it should be. Yeah, because of 360 degrees in a circle. You'd love there to be 12 months in a year, not 13 or whatever it happens to be that year. You'd love it to be 12. It's not perfect up there. This is the fall of Atlantis. It's gone from a perfect age to an imperfect age, skewed off... 23 and a half degrees. ...and dipped into the sea. Half the Zodiac at any one time is dipping in the sea. Yes. So this is my revelation this week. Folks, I'm going to pursue this further, and I'd love anyone out there to, to have a good look at that because I think there's something to it. I've got a book for you then. Uh, you can borrow that one. Oh, it's your sexy lady book. Yeah, there's some... Can I, can I show this on the camera? Um, Keith, sexy lady on Keith in that book, uh, highlights the perfect, the ideal. So the ideal mile should be 6,000 feet. The ideal year should be 360 days. The month it? should be 30 days. Yeah, take it on with you. Um, there's a lot of mathematical proofs in it, which are interesting. But, you know, it might be useful. I had a little look at his site when he said... And as I said to Phil, the best thing about this book 
is that no one knows you're reading the occult because it looks like porn. <laughs> it does. Yeah. yeah. What do you think set off? What do you think uh, skewed us off? Do you think there was some sort of cataclysm that skewed us off 23 and a half degrees and, and it terminated the golden age? Plato said uh, that this age is, uh, you've forgotten that there's been ages before this and that the myth of Phaeton holds the same as the myth of Atlantis. This is his preface to talking about Atlantis. Now, the f myth of Phaeton is the same as the myth of Mithras, but different in that Phaeton gets in the chariot of Sol and rather than making his way up to that, that realm, Phaeton is an arrogant <laughs> SOB, gets on the Sol's chariot, Sol's his dad, gets on Sol's chariot, the chariot of the sun, with these four mad horses, and, and Sol's like, listen, son, it's a four-horsepower one, this. I don't know if you can handle it. I crap my pants every time I get to the top, and when I'm coming back down again, you better grab hold. It's frightening. And he's like, yeah, yeah, Dad, whatever. Give me the keys. Blip, blip. So he gets on the chariot, and it, the much of the story is about Phaeton shitting his pants, basically, and like his knees turn to jelly, and he, he loses his bottle, and the horses are going everywhere, and everywhere gets burned. And, conflagration. And the conflagration, the same yeah. conflagration that, that ends the age for the Mithraists, this this conflagration that comes from the Lion's Maw, which is eternity coming into the, the now. And that eternity and now is is these numbers. These numbers are, are like uh, the pattern. They are the pattern of existence, it looks like. Even to, you know, even... When I'm talking about like these things, I'm talking mythologically or what the ancients thought. But frankly, from looking at it, and I think Phil would agree, it does look like that these numbers are the pattern. Have you heard about Randall Carlson's mate's engine? They've made a turbine from all this. There's a lot, lot of hoo-ha about it, but I've looked at it, and it looks pretty kosher to me. I've not looked into it. Um, you know, a lot of people trust Randall and his judgment, and he's he's bought in. So yeah. I'll wait and see. Well, that's what I said. Wait and see to the... To when an engine's produced out of it, but yeah. there are there are engines produced out of it. We've just not been showing them yet. Uh, Tesla, Tesla is into this zero yep. point energy. Mm -hmm. Well, that fiery realm is the zero point. I've mm -hmm. even written it in in the book that I'm writing as the zero point. Yeah, it's like the uh... okay. I keep saying it was Lucifer. Now, why is it Lucifer? This energy, the Luciferian energy. Lucifer means light bearer. So it's anything, the mushroom is is Luciferian, uh, and it's particular Lucifer, because it holds, it's like the ancient story, is it, it holds the light of the eternity in there, this fiery stuff, because that's what it does to you. It strips you all away, burns you all away, and then you're in this fiery realm, so it's seen, seen as holding the same energy. So I think those torches are often symbolic of the mushroom as much as the symbolic of the consciousness um i've lost my thread i was gonna say you know you didn't really stamp your uh nail on what you thought the conflagration was do you think it's a, a comet strike or being hit by nibiru or what so taurus again solar mass ejection yeah t taurus has a lot of uh meteors and comets coming from that direction the taurids yeah yeah um and Halloween's at that time, but I think, you know, that's also Halloween's peak mushroom season as well. I think these things are very mixed. Uh, 
It's got to be a hell of a comet to knock Earth off its off axis. Off its axis. I think it's got to be, like, planetoid. Well, wait a minute. The, the Plato, when he's talking about Atlantis, he pretty much puts it at when Graham Hancock puts his comet strike at. Yeah. I just don't think a comet strike is going to knock Earth off its axis. I think maybe... I don't think it ever was. I mean, in my head, I've not really thought about this much, but I don't think there ever was a perfect... Do you not? No, I think it's probably a, a mathematical average. You know, for yeah. a while it might be perfect, then for a while it's above, and then for a while it's below, something like that. I've not put too much thought to it. You know, um, just to throw it out there, you know, we have this asteroid belt. Mm-hmm. Maybe there was something that hit Earth millions and billions of years ago in the early solar system. Um, maybe that's what the moon is. I mean, was it Chris Tolworthy who was saying that part of that is buried inside the Earth still? There is some lump of of uh, iron or something still. Well, I'm sure that's like in the mainstream. That yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. That, something hit us. Yeah, and that's where the iron core comes from. And that's maybe where the tilt comes from. If we'd been left alone, we would have lived in this ideal golden age. Maybe. I don't know. Who knows? I mean, comets have struck the Earth big ones. The moon probably did strike the Earth twice, probably. Uh, Yes. A lot of this is so cosmic and uh, beyond me. I'm just a little dude, do you know what I mean? This is tough. I've got a leg up in some ways because I'm willing to go to places that most people that study this stuff aren't. I don't have a stake in academia. I'm just trying to find something out. I'll tell you one thing, though. Every time I actually take these mysteries seriously and bury down to the, the root of something, it's always true. Everything they said about the mushrooms is true. Everything they said about the maths is true. That's as far as much as I can say. They're not stupid at all. They are literally keeping this sacred knowledge close to the chest. And and it's the same in all the mystery traditions, uh, you know, with a very small amount of variety. Yeah, on pain of death. Well, let, let me... I've got um, an image for you, if that's all right. Lost it. Here we are. Forward or backwards? Uh, forwards, it'll be. Forwards will go. That's the last one, I think. Is it? Oh, no, sorry. Keep going. That's the last one. There oh, my go. gosh. We didn't, I didn't even see this one. I've, I've, I've put a few in recently. So, uh, more mushroom images. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. That's uh, stop recording. Doesn't matter. Carry on. Okay. Doesn't matter. Don't panic. <laughs> Don't panic. Uh, so... There, it, we've seen this in, in the previous episodes. But those are two Zoroastrian stroke Mithraic priests. Well, one's a king, but he's given the other guy a mushroom. And on the left is the Indian Mithra, Mitra. <clears throat> and see those two deities above him that are very much like a swastika. Well, you know, this was the first image of Mitra I could find that wasn't somebody's drawing. And if you look at what they're holding in the hands, it's so obviously mushrooms. There's no, you're not telling me those aren't mushrooms. Yeah. The, the two guys have, have blown mm-hmm. them up here at the bottom. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it almost looks like the Isle of Man, the Manx mm. symbol yeah. as well. 
which is, uh, I think that's Mycenaean, funnily enough, that, that triple-footed thing. If we look to the top right, those the mushrooms that we've already seen in Mithras Cave. <coughs> uh, the dagger itself is mushroom-shaped there in the top right. One <laughs> and then there's an image of Mithras and Sol uh, sharing food, and the halo of Sol is over the hat of Mithras in the background over a blade, which is just a Liberty Cap mushroom. Underneath that, and this, I will finish this thought off now. Mm-hmm. So underneath that is a flying gwilly with <laughs> testicles, if you can see it. Mm, and I've, I've flipped it round as well, and you can see that the willy part with the hairs coming out is, is a mushroom. But this is this Luciferian sex force that I keep talking about. So now let's get down to this. Why is, why is Mithras Lucifer? So Lucifer's a rebel. Lucifer means light bearer. Lucis Ferris. Mithras as this black sun, which is the creative masculine force. So you got to think that the literally just the energy that powers the universe is a masculine thing. The matrix that receives that energy is feminine. So there's this masculine creative force that is in this fiery realm and comes out through the pole star and powers everything, including your libido. This power to the ancient Greeks was called eros, as in erotic desire. So what happens when this erotic force is put into time? Well, time is eternity split into duality. There's a past and a present. And there's a male and a female. It's almost like the past is a male looking to shag the female at the end of time, if you get me. (laughs) So... Well, what is it about this erotic force in us? Well, I have this the erotic force for this drink in front of me. I want to intercourse with this drink. Mm. If I have a bit of that drink, it'll help along this podcast and help us lot to chat a bit more, lubricate stuff. But if, if I use it wrongly, then it'll mess me up. It's the serpent in the Garden of Eden. It'll It's going, eat the fruit, eat the fruit. And you're going, well, that fruit's poison. No, it'll wake you up. It's like this, this dialectic that goes on in your head all the time. When you know damn well, you should or you shouldn't do it. And everything is a poison and a medicine. Eat too many coconuts, you'll die. Do you know what I mean? So it's how this this force itself, when it comes to you and urges you to do things, is either a poison or a medicine. So it's Lucifer, the light bearer. The light itself is the serpent. This sex force, this energy that powers us all and everything in the universe is Luciferian. It carries the light. It might do you good. It might do you bad. It's how are you behaving with it. And so Mithras is th- this energy purified. He's one step back. He's one step up. If you go and follow Mithras... You get over your animal self. You, you've learned from Lucifer and you've climbed up the back of that serpent, which would have seven vertebrae or 33 vertebrae or whatever. <coughs> you climb up that serpent. You climb up the serpent of your spine, the 33 vertebrae of your spine or the seven nerve branches of your spine. You climb up that. You get to the pineal and like Mithras popping out at the top of that tree, you can see further. Horus is a good example of this character as well. He sees above everybody else. And so you learn from the devil. That's why Baphomet is the devil expressed in a useful way. 
Baphomet is showing the androgyne, which is the sexual force, in no time. It's only androgynous because there's no male and female. Male and female happens in time. So Baphomet is like a way of, it's like chastity and, so uh, you know, prohibition and you know just 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 being good basically and saving all these energies of your body and then conducting them in the right way so you can have these enlightened experiences these mushroom experiences without needing the mushroom and that's done by heavy breathing sex without orgasm kundalini kundalini stuff everything that was in that myth mithraic stuff and uh the mithraists were like super duper they were like jackass, uh, spiritual jackass. <laughs> they were, they, although they were discouraged from orgasm and things like that, they were firing at bows and arrows and at each other as dares, you know, for for the for the soldier grade. It was like, right, there's 20 of them and one of you, and they're going to beat the shit out of you, and you've just got to put up with it. It was like a proper boys' oh. club. But these guys are going to war. Do you know what I mean? So they were ready. They were ready. They, they'd had the, that feminine co beaten out of them by their own dare. I've got one story to tell before we, we, we finish this off. So before I'd realised all this stuff, me and my mate invented the cult of, of Mithras for ourselves. Mm. And I got it off. Uh, Flash Gordon, the <laughs> wonderfully crappy film, which is one of my favourite films of all time, but it's awful. The, the 1980s Flash Gordon. Yeah, In it, Ming the Merciless goes, uh, I can't remember the quote exactly, but he's, he's talking about what he's going to do to Flash. And he goes, oh, the Earth. And he goes, oh, she'll do it for the honour of Dizan, in the glory of Dizan. And I just found it funny. So every time I was doing something that hurt me, but improved me, I'd do it for the glory of Dizan. So me and my mate, uh, this one night, said, right, what we're going to do is we're going we're gonna to walk up up towards uh up to forest of boland which is uh you know 25 miles away from here so we just walked we walked it there we said we're going to take nothing no knives no just basic equipment and a little bit of food with us and some of those things that that mithras occults <laughs> and um we just we're just going to walk it and like the harder it is the better the more fun it'll be because we know we can survive it by using our brains and and you know, holding on, and we got to the very foot of the hill that we were going to go up, and there was like a donut cloud above us, <laughs> and it was the only cloud in the sky. And it, it just, literally got to the foot of the hill, and it, it was, I managed to cover my head in time, but it was that hard. The rain, it was bouncing up under our jackets. My legs were soaking. It was awful. It was fantastic. It was the best thing that happened all night because it made everything else miserable. <laughs> But it was awesome because we're like, we, we get to this place, make a fire, get ourselves dried, enjoy enjoy extracting the awesome from the shit, which is the point of the Philosopher's Stone, is it not? Spiritual alchemy. Exactly. One of the best nights of my life. It was really difficult. There was, there was 10 minutes there, it was like, we need to go home, we're going to freeze to death here. The fire wasn't lighting, everything we tried... It, it was it was awful. We ended up doing some fire breathing onto the fire from a petrol lighter. <laughs> <laughs> Did you get the fire going? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
You live to tell the tale. And, yeah. and then when we woke up in the morning, it turned out we're in the middle of a pheasant uh, enclosure and all these pheasants everywhere, like little raptors. It was like, whoa, what's going on here? Good job we didn't uh, have the Mithraic sacrament last night, which we didn't. Mm. Well, Ryan, uh, we've done two hours. You blasted through two hours. Wow. <laughs> and we only did like the first four stages of initiation. Yeah. Oh, God, we could have gone on time. I think we've we've got drilled down to it there, though. Yeah. All you need to do now, Ryan, is watch uh, mine and Ben's favourite programme, Race by Wolves. 100%. Oh, I like Race by Wolves. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, he's, he's... I didn't watch that latest series. It's been cancelled on now, hasn't it? Yeah. I watched the first, <laughs> one. first one. I was like, yeah, this is great. I really like it. Yeah. I thought that might be up your or at your alley. Yeah. I mean, I will, I, I will spoil the, the second series for you because Thanks. he's uh, crucified upside down at the end mm. and floating. Like St. Peter. And we'll never know why. Never know why. It's a mystery. What, what did, they, did they reveal what the... I mean, I know what that snake is, but did they reveal what the serpents were? No. No, it's all... Everything's still up in the air. As two far serpents. As I remember. It's the two serpents. Yeah. Well, that, that, be the DMT serpents. And the serpent that went around that the, deity. The Caduceus. Yeah, yeah. And Arimanius. Arimanius. We need to write some fan fiction. Yeah. Third series. Consigned to paper. Oh, mate, I'm still writing my book, and it just makes... It's just the most difficult thing I've ever done. <laughs> it is. How long is it going to be? It was. I said to you like, at one point, oh, last June. But it just keeps growing. You know, I've hit the mark that it would be for, you know, 75,000 words for a book. I hit that mark, and I've, I've well superseded it. I've got, like, a, a chapter to go. Just this Mithras chapter was, like, 22, 23,000 words in for one chapter. It's pissing me off. <laughs> I tell you the effect. It's pissing well, me off. I wait with bated breath. Yeah. You're, you're going to be one of the first people to get it. Good. And correct it. Yeah. And say this doesn't, I don't understand what you're on about. I'll proofread it for you. Yeah, please do. No problem. I want, I want you, I'm going to give you a red pen. Yeah. No, doesn't make sense. I'm sure they do this digitally now, no? Rather than a red pen. You're going to print off 100,000 oh, words. Yeah. Like that. Give me a red pen. It's <laughs> right on your screen. <laughs> Take photos. <laughs> well, we're gonna have to sign off. Anything to add, Ben? No, that was great. Cheers, Ryan. Absolutely mind blowing as usual. You're yes. Welcome. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for coming again, Ryan. Mm. Love talking to you. Yeah, we look forward it's good to the book. The links are in the description if you want to check out Ryan's YouTube channel. He's got lots of videos on there. The secret science. Yeah, the secret mm. science. And, uh, from here now. <laughs> repeats. Yeah. I'm like Dave. Yeah, <laughs> like Dave. Yeah, or <laughs> Dave. Called uh, Ryan. Yeah. We'll be back very shortly for some brief housekeeping. Because yeah, uh, it's getting on in time. Mm. But yeah, if you want to hear a, bit, a little bit of news and some housekeeping very quickly, we shall be back in about 10 or 15 minutes. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Ta-ra. Bye. Tassie, bye. 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 Thanks, Rain. Bye, everybody. <laughs> oh. Oh. oh, we're back. The dwarf, oh. the cripple, and the mother of madness. That's our chat with Ryan Seven. Mm. Illuminating as ever. Illuminati. Yeah. All like bulls, balls, scorpions, scorpions pinching. Uh, bulls balls mushrooms mushrooms um something about <laughs> killing a bull twins killing a bull bull kill twins twin kill 
one another. <laughs> Zero point energy. Yeah. Meeting Ariman. Yeah. In the escaping the seven the seven spheres of celestial being. Um and, and time and time itself. And all tied up with Raised by Wolves, like Ben always liked. Oh, yeah, like everything should be. Yeah. Yeah, check out links in the show notes. You can uh, follow Ryan's channel there. Mm. Mm -hmm. Did a series of videos on uh, different planets, uh, like Mercury, for example. I think I've watched the Venus one. Yeah, Mercury, Jove, Venus. I I think he gets dragged up, doesn't he, in the Venus one? Really? I think so. I might be making that up, but I'm sure at the beginning... Yeah, but he knows what he's doing. They know what they're doing, Lair. He does, doesn't he? Right. right. Should we do some uh, headlines Quick. very quickly? Quick. Yes, rapid news. <laughs> Only got a couple. I I foresaw that we may run over this evening. Capital letters are the big news story. Oh, my God! Headlines of the week. Uh, Still got time to play the full length (laughs) intro, though. Yeah, a bit sloppy. Paranormal activity. 28 girls rushed to hospital after playing with a Ouija board at school. Ooh, dear. What have they done? Are you retarded? Uh, It's definitely not a 28-player game, though, is it, really? (laughs) Maybe that's what happened. It was just a mad (laughs) violin. A group of girls were rushed to hospital after playing with a Ouija board at school. The 28 youngsters passed out while using the seance set at Galeras Educational Institution in Colombia. Colombia. Shakira, Shakira. Was that okay, that? A weird job board. <laughs> oh, there we go. They were hospitalized with signs of fainting, anxiety, and other symptoms, and non-lying hips, probably. Oh, those hips don't lie. They don't, know. The school's directors and concerned teachers accompanied the students to hospital. Hugo Torres, head of Galeras Educational Institution in Galeras, Sucre Department said there were 28 possible cases of anxiety in school students. Given the reported cases, a series of comments were unleashed on the community that, rather than helping to resolve the situation, led to confusion and an adverse environment for our work. The students were referred to the local municipal hospital according to protocols in place. Directors and teachers accompanied the students during the evaluation process. The respective parent and or guardian were informed of the situation at, at the time. The school is waiting for the medical reports before providing an update on the incident. Torres also pointed out that the first two hospitalised students have underlying medical conditions. He clarified, The school is waiting for the medical diagnoses to provide further reliable information. The Educational Institute also respectfully asks citizens to refrain from making early judgments and diagnoses on their own. Many parents believe the children have been using Ouija boards in class. Mm. One mother complained, mm. I work here in hospital kiosk, and every day I see three or four children arrive after fainting. Three or four a day? Children? A fainting? Yeah. Parents, you have to move. Investigate what's happening at school because our children cannot continue in this situation. Our children always have a good breakfast. (laughs) It can't be said that what's happening is due to lack of food. It seems like the authorities are uh, uh, sort of palming this off as hunger. They're fainting through hunger. And like the woman, oh. the woman at the hospital said, I'm getting three or four a day coming through. And we give them a decent breakfast. <laughs> What's crack? At hospital? Or at- yeah, hospital. Three oh. or four a day. 
It is unclear, unclear when the school plans to give an update on the student's medical diagnoses. Local authorities have yet to confirm whether police investigation is underway. Well, we were recently talking about mass his- hypnosis, weren't we? Were we? Well, months mass ago. Mass hysteria? Yeah. Mass his- hypnosis mm. is part of, you know, the Soviet Union, as you would say. It is, is it? Yeah. Are you looking for a button? No, I'm thinking you're thinking of uh, mass mass psychosis, isn't is it not called? Whatever. <laughs> yeah, the same. The same thing. Same principles, but yeah. Yeah, it's Matthias Desmet, wasn't mm. it? The psychologist who came to prominence during the Soviet Union mm. with this theory of mass psychosis. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I've not read his book. I mean, we should probably have him on. I think Robbie's had him on. Oh. Robbie gets everyone. <laughs> I know he does. Out of the blank, he gets everyone. Uh, yeah. What the Farage? But he does do six a week, so he's got to fill yeah. his calendar. Six a week? I think he's down to six podcasts a week now, yeah. Down? Yeah, what he used you... to do one a day. Seven a... God, That's why he's on episode 1500. <laughs> <laughs> <coughs> he started at the beginning of the Soviet Union, and he's like on episode 1600 now. Wow. What a mad lad. He is. He is. He is a mad lad. Mm. Just uh, shoot the juice to me, Bruce. And- okay, next headline, or last headline, I should say. Uh, enzyme discovery could see devices literally create energy from thin air. Zero point energy? Oh, yeah, shut this no. down quick. <laughs> <laughs> the enzyme is called HUC, that's H-U-C, and has been muted as a potential alternative to other renewable energy sources. If production can be scaled up, air-powered electronic devices could become viable in the future. Devices that literally create energy from thin air could be made real thanks to a newly discovered enzyme that transforms hydrogen into an electric current, scientists have said. The finding was made in light of recent work by the same Australian team that showed many bacteria drawn hydrogen from the atmosphere as an energy source. Mm. This is uh, common in environments lacking in nutrients such as the deep ocean, volcanic craters, and Antarctic soils. Uh, It was a common soil bacterium, uh, Microbacterium smegmatis. I smell a red herring. (laughs) Smegmatis. Unbesmegging, leaveable. (laughs) Uh, That formed the basis of the new study. Scientists extracted the enzyme responsible for turning hydrogen into energy from the bacterium and studied it to determine just how it worked. The enzyme, called HUC, was found to transform the gas into an electrical current like a natural battery. It is also possible for the enzyme to be stored for long periods. It only requires tiny concentrations of hydrogen hydrogen, to generate an electrical current, and the bacterium that produces it can be grown in large quantities. Astonishing! Enzyme could power small electronics. Uh, the team at Monash University in Melbourne described it as extraordinarily efficient. Ashley Crop, a PhD student who worked on this study, said it is astonishingly stable. So astonishingly, extraordinarily efficient and astonishingly stable, mate. Fuck, nail <laughs> what? They were never going to say the results were disappointing, were they? No. Well, you know, all I would say... Uh, Ashley, Dr. Ashley, is maybe stay away from light aviation, hot tubs, <laughs> and uh, wood chippers <laughs> if you're going to promote a free energy device. Housekeeping. 
housekeeping. It's a value for value podcast. If you find this podcast valuable, please consider returning some value. There's a myriad of ways of doing this. My favorite way, as ever, is word of mouth. Sending links in your social media platforms of choice or your Telegram groups or your Discord servers or your Element servers or wherever you happen to be online. Mm. Send some links and uh, help us grow. Yeah. Salt the earth. <laughs> Slash and burn. Yeah. Don't uh, spam. Um, no, don't spam us. You sound like you're advocating spamming. Uh, no, spider manning. Spider-manning. Spider-spamming. Um, did you see? Did you hear what happened on Friday Night Tights on Friday? No. They had uh, Gavin McInnes on, who is a pr- the founder of the Proud Boys. Oh, all right. Uh, okay. a, a rather controversial figure. Yeah. And um, around two and a half hours into the stream, Gavin decided to get out, get up, whip his cock out, and piss all over his desk and his studio. Uh. The Proud Boy person. <laughs> Why would he do that? Because he's, so he's proud. nuts. He's nuts. Okay, now did you watch it live? I didn't see it live, no. Wow. No, and it had to was be censored. Like, yeah, that's what I mean. He was in his studio because he's a, you know, he's a, he's a TV guy. No, right. Uh, like an online TV guy. I don't know what network he broadcasts with online or whatever, but it was a professional studio cell yeah and he just uh, i've held it too long i've held it too long whatever and then just got out whips cock out pissed all over everything and uh they obviously had to take it down and censor it wow uh, uh a lot of people weren't happy a lot of the fnt fans weren't happy because you know that's jeopardizing mm. people's livelihoods doing pulling a stunt yeah. like that for a cheap laugh and i'm with them and uh yeah he won't be back right yeah, it's shock value. Mm. It? Yeah, I don't know. No. How yeah. else you become a producer? Join don't us. Don't piss in... on your desk. Yeah. <laughs> don't send us videos. I've held it too long. <laughs> <laughs> That's normally what you say anyway when you run out of the room. Yeah. <laughs> um, post things in the element server because Discord got uh, deleted. Um, so in there you can send us news articles, videos, audios. Um, clips if you like um, you could send us memes we love well. a good meme we do don't we you could send us show artwork oh yeah Didn't uh, no submissions for show artwork this week so I just bastardised this from the YouTube thumbnail but doesn't it look gorgeous that's one of my best yet I think I think um, I think it is I think it I think Ryan suits the cartoonify Whatever it is, filter that you use. He's a beautiful man. He is. A... Do you not think that's like one of my finest pieces of art yet? I think it's. I think it's pretty good. Do you think Mid Journey could have done that? No, it probably would have come up with something a little bit more better. <laughs> <laughs> I'm. I'm working with a theme. It's purple. No, purple. purple is that? Stain. Is that? Is that the uh, theme? Purple stain. How many layers are in that image? How many layers on game? I'll have to uh, just bring it back. We've got the one, two, 
two. <laughs> and some text. No, it's three. It's three, three or four. Right, okay. There's Ryan, there's the purple snake, and the text. Yeah. So three. Mm. Good. Um, you could suggest guests to us. Um, Always looking for guest suggestions. Yep. Always, because we only have three pairs of eyes and ears. Yep. Uh, yep. Sm- remember to smash the like, subscribe everywhere. <sighs> Hit the like, smash the bell end. Um, you could do birthday shout outs, focus chi requests. Yep. You um, could visit the Amish loot chest and purchase some merchandise. Yep. Get a bacon nuts t shirt there. Yep. Uh, get a, a mug. Mm-hmm. You get three weeks to flatten the earth t shirt. Mm. hoodies, yeah. t-shirts, it's all available at the Loot Chest. If you sign up to the newsletter, you'll get a 10% discount for the Loot Chest as well. Wow. Which, you know, it's worth having. If you're going to yeah. buy something from the Loot Chest, yeah, make sure you sign up to the newsletter first. I should say, all the links for all the shit is in the show notes. So. Yeah. Uh, so there's no excuse, right? <laughs> Leave us a review. <laughs> we'll try and read it out. Yep. Remember that. And then the last thing... <laughs> You yeah. can do is then. Oh, toss us a coin. Toss a coin <laughs> to your witcher. Do it for the lads. 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 Yeah, because we know what, what we're doing, doing there. <laughs> yeah, if you go to the armsinquisition.com, you'll find a PayPal button there and you can give us a one off donation. Sign up for a monthly recurring sustained donation. You can uh, sign up to Patreon. Uh, buy me a coffee. Mm. Oh, just cold mm-hmm. hard cash in a brown envelope, Oof. in a in a like a, a we can meet like on a park bench, and you can sit down next to me and say, "The eagle flies low tonight." I say, "Yes, it does." <laughs> Give me the cash, and we can do it that way if you want. We can do it that way. I'm easy. Only you fuckers out there can save Plotland and keep the shit show going and pay the bills. Mm. Right. So, shall we thank the producers for episode two seven three? I think it's time. Oh, go on then. Is it? Big up the man dems. It's yeah. time to big up the man dems. Yo. Uh, producers, we have uh, just a duo this week. We have Helen of Troy of Berkshire and Richard Morris. Thank you. They're amazing, though. They yeah. are. Yeah. yeah. So, so amazing in their love. And literally. The best mate. Because I'm literally a. Oh. Willie. Communist. GG. The dwarf. The carags. The grape. The doctor of thugonomics. The homophobe. The wind. The chungus never seems so sus. feeding. Communist. The base sigma chad. The The baby penis. Eater asshole. The dime bar. The number 11. The gun on the bus. The blind man. The big chungus. The cripple and the mother. I'm on a From hell. Milan. <laughs> Are you retarded? I don't get it. Never will. Eating. Pop was a bad dude. Ah. <laughs> messaging around the dangers of COVID pretty diligently for a full two-week period of sustained propaganda. Yep, thanks for your support for another week. <coughs> mm. Much appreciated. And uh, 
Oh, you know, we had uh, Lance and Andy from Rise Above on last week. Yeah. They've just done well, a yeah. podcast with Sheep Farm with Dom and Chris. Yeah, they said that when they came on. Did they say? Or, well, it came out. Oh, since, right. Maybe, since, uh, maybe it was in the, the pre-show chat. They said that. Yeah, maybe it was. Maybe it was. Yeah, they were talking about all sorts. Absolutely, it was uh, interesting, but they were talking about all sorts, all sorts of subjects. Veganism, obviously, because, you know. Veganism's a psyop. There's no doubt about it. Veganism's a psyop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, most people give it up because it makes you ill. That's the, the, the story out there, isn't it? I've heard that you might go a bit pasty. Yeah. Do you think? Pasty? Mm, bit you wouldn't pasty. have a pasty if you were vegan. No. No, it's That's got... your first mistake. Can you you can't have butter, can you? No, any kind exactly. of animal. You can have anything. Yeah. What can you eat? Just ve- fruit and veg. Nothing uh, fun. Uh, yeah. Can't even have eggs. Imagine a life without eggs. No cake. They tend to use different kinds of binding agents, don't they? And emulsifiers. We had. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I saw a message a chat from Matt Apocalypse. Met someone who nearly died from being a vegan. Yeah, I imagine. It's a psyop. Veganism's a psyop. There's no exactly. doubt about it. I wear diapers. You probably have to wear diapers if you're having a diet like yeah, that. Yeah, it doesn't seem natural, does it? No, but apparently I was listening to a JRE episode and he talked, he probably talked about this a lot, but I don't listen to it a lot, about when he tried the, the lion diet and just at meat. Joe Rogan did? Yeah, and he said... It took him a while, a week or two, to get over the explosive diarrhea. And then after that, it wasn't too bad. And I think it was this guy, actually, who was talking about Alzheimer's and, like, you know. Is that, like, the alt-right? Yeah, Alzheimer's. Alzheimer's. Yeah. Um, And he was talking about the gut biome. And apparently, if you change your diet, it takes a while for the bacteria in your gut to catch up to the new diet. And, obviously, the ones that can digest or help to digest that kind of thing will multiply and the other ones will die back <coughs> from your old diet. Your natural flora and fauna. Yes. Because we're like a microcosm, aren't we? Yeah. We think of ourselves as individuals, but we're uh, we're made up of all sorts of different things. There's like billions of bacteria that are technically inside you. Well, they're, they're inside you, but they're technically not inside you, are they? Because are you? your gut, it's like your food. Your food never goes inside you. You got a hole yeah. at the top and a hole at the bottom. Mm. It's just a tube. It's just yeah. a big tube. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> never gets into you. No. But your body just sort of sucks things out. I mean, it gets stuck to the sides and your body takes what it needs and then it comes out as poo-poo, doesn't it? Have we spoken about fecal transplants on this podcast yet? Uh, sure. You've touched on it. Have we, have we touched cloth on that? <clears throat> <laughs> Does yeah. it mean you're gay? And I got news for you. That means you're gay. <laughs> that kind of fecal transplant. Yeah, basically, yeah. How's it work? I don't know. I think they get a little bit of poo. Mm. Maybe not. Ma- it. A bit of the old uh, gut biome from another person, and then he <laughs> put it in you. You got caught sucking your fingers <laughs> on the bus. Exactly, yeah. Nasty. Mmm. Gross. Why? Is it I, for people who have a di- who have a like? Um, I imagine there there are certain lifestyles which will kill a lot of your gut bacteria. I think it's to, to when you've been irradiated. Yeah, that'd be or, one. Or chemo. You've been through chemo and things mainly. Really? Or you, when they kill off your um, 
bone marrow. That's for like leukemia and stuff, isn't it? You do that? What about if you smoke drugs? I smoke drugs. Give me, give me what? <laughs> give, me, give me money. All <laughs> oh, right, okay. <laughs> Not a great plan. <laughs> um, yeah, so, you know. And there's, there's studies coming out now, isn't there, about um, your gut biome and depression and stuff and a role that that might play in it. Yeah, don't you have, like, brain cells in your gut? Yeah. Allegedly. And yeah. your heart. That's what Gabor Mate was saying. <laughs> what, Ben? Depends what you've been eating. <laughs> Brains. Well, yeah. <laughs> and wear diapers. He called it the second brain, and that's why you should get a feeling in your gut. You always go off your gut feeling. Right. Because of all your brain cells in there. Remember? Psycho, neuro, immuno, endocrinology. Oh, yes. We haven't had an endocrinologist on for ages. No. (laughs) What's it called? An endo what? Psycho, neuro, immuno, endocrinologist. Matt Apocalypse says raw cabbage is better for biome than Greek. Greek yogurt. Explosive explosive gas. Raw cabbage. I mean, I don't even like cooked cabbage. I'm not eating that. Mm. Do you know, I I like a wilted cabbage with some butter. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) You would, wouldn't you? God, there was a lot of fucking around (laughs) with that (laughs) gimp. Yeah. I don't, I don't eat a lot of green stuff, to be fair. No, I you probably don't. should. No. And jelly doesn't count, does it? Green <laughs> jelly? Yeah. I am rotten! <laughs> yeah. I want green jelly! <laughs> yeah. I am rotten! Do you remember? I can remember, remember. What show that was from? I can't quite remember the show now. Remember the quote? This Mainly mo- because you just shouted it round third year. This, so. this morning with Richard, not Judy. Was that what it was oh, called? It was... Um, it had the Curious Orange on it as well. The Curious Orange, yeah. Stuart Lee and Richard Herring. Richard Herring, yeah. Oh, right, okay. And Rod Hull was played by that weird-looking comedic actor. He was in Jam. He's in all sorts of... Stephen... Plinkett? Plink horse? <laughs> <laughs> it's called Stephen, I think. Oh, Panhead would know. Pinker. Stephen Pinker is a wild-haired so- psychologist, sociologist, yeah. author. No, he's English. He's jam. He was so in Chris Morris's thing. He was, yeah, <laughs> he was in a lot of Chris Morris stuff. He was in right. um, Black Mirror, not Black Mirror. Um, Chris Morris, fucking the Brass Eye. Brass Eye. Yeah, Brass Eye. Nathan Bell. The Day Today. Oh, I know what you mean. Yeah, he did the weather in the Day Today. Did he? Yeah, I know yeah. you mean. I can see him now. Yeah, Alan Partridge was sport. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was a good show. He was. I had the DVD of the day to day. Nothing to play on nowadays. Is it not just all on the all four? Oh, it might be. I imagine. Yeah, it be. Was it Channel Four? Yeah. Chris Morris. Yeah. Mm. Nathan I... Barley's Chris Morris vehicle as well. That's good. Trash bat. Yeah. 
I was uh, just telling Phil off off show before Ryan came about. Oh, don't say it now then. The massive weight of unbearable talent that me and Phil have running this show. Yeah. I don't remember that. I, I, I had to quit off because Ryan um, turned the uh, the searchlight on on the front of the house right. as he came in. But it's just a film. It's just a film. Oh, sorry. Nicholas Cage film. Nicholas Cage, you say? Yeah. Mm. Uh, there is a um, a reference to not the bees in it as well. <laughs> it's not the bees. Yes. <laughs> he does say that line in it. Bye! My eyes, my eyes. <laughs> um, but it's like it's like it's very funny. I laughed all the way through it, and it's new. Oh, it's, good. Oh, it's from last year. Yeah, that's new. Yeah. I've, I've not watched. It's on Amazon. So if you, you've got Prime, right? I think that's I think that's the only. Hopefully, that's the only streaming service we're going to have by the end of the next month. It's wow. Amazon. Wow. Uh, Disney's gone now, and I'm hoping she's going to get rid of Netflix. It's there's no there. Mm. There's nothing to watch. Why are you paying 15 quid a month for nothing? Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's all trash. It. So hopefully we'll just have Prime left. Yeah. I can write that off as an expense, so. Oh, right, okay. Might as well have it. Yeah. So it's good. I would watch it. It's very funny. What's it called? Uh, the Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. Crit- Critical Drinker liked it. I checked after I watched it to make, yeah, sure, watch to it make sure it was a good film after I watched <laughs> it. Yeah. I've I've heard uh, great things about Picard. Like Picard's really turned the corner. I think that's uh, free on Amazon as well. It is, yeah. We uh, we started watching the first episode of the first series. Of the f- no, the f- the first the first series. I, How I, would you I know what would be happening though? Oh no, they've scrapped it. They've, <laughs> they've scrapped the first season because it was fucking. Garbage. I watched w- half of the first. Half of the first episode. That's how far I got. I went, well, this isn't Star Trek. That's not Picard. <laughs> this is nonsense. What's what are we watching here? But apparently they've sorted it out, and it's right. like, oh my gosh, is it like it's Star Trek again? Is it like the next genera- generation? Well, you would hope so, as soon as that's the characters it's based around. Yeah, um, make it so. Well, apparently it's it's well written, and the story arcs, and right, um, there's. Heartfelt moments, and it's, I might, I might be able to watch that with my wife. I'm then. thinking I might give it a go because, like, most of like the harshest critics who I watch on YouTube are saying it's good. Mm. So, I watched that um, All Quiet on the Western Front this week or last week. That's that's very good as well. If you got two and a half hours to spare, watching it's in German record. though. You've got to read it, haven't you? Unless you yeah, speak German, there is a dubbed version. Oh, you can't watch it. Going weird. Yeah. Um, What's it about? You know, <laughs> <laughs> What's it about? <laughs> What's it about, Ben? Oh, it's World War One. Trenches oh. and shit. Oh, I thought it was about the 1990 World Cup. Yeah. <laughs> All quiet on the right West German front. <laughs> it <laughs> was West Germany. It was, I know. Yeah, they won, yeah. West Germany won the World Cup. I know. Hence. After the war, war came down. Yeah, I guess because they qualified as West Germany. They had to yeah. go to the tournament as West Germany, I guess. Yeah. Well, both. No, there wasn't an East German team that got anywhere, was there? Would have been part of the USSR, wouldn't yeah. it? Mm. Yeah. CCCP. 
Oh well, on that note, we should uh, we need to congratulate uh, Xi, Xi President Xi. Yeah, because um, it was the this week. How had... dare you assume his gender? <laughs> <laughs> you know they don't fuck around with this gender politics, man. <laughs> they don't go there. But yeah, this week it was the the National People's Congress. Yeah, no, yeah, NPC. Mm-hmm. Non-playable character. Non-playable characters, yeah, and. Um, it's amazing. Um, President Xi, he won the vote by 2,952 votes to zero. Wow, wow that is good going. He what must a guy. Be, he must be incredible. He is, isn't he? He must be so popular. Mm. So it's a, like nearly 3,000 votes to zero. It's, um, I wish we had If a only our politicians could hold that <laughs> level of confidence of public in trust. the electorate. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Um, we could take a leaf out of Xi's book, I think. I think they, I think they are. I think Jeremy Hunt definitely <laughs> is. Um, he, he did his oath. He, um, he was beamed across state TV in China, uh, and he, he had to retake his oath where he vowed to build a prosperous, strong, democratic, civilised, harmonious, great modern socialist country. Oh. So good to see good. him, such a, an, a capable and popular leader, Upholding the values of democracy is is just um, wonderful. It is, isn't it? Warms the cockles of your heart. It does, yeah. Are you retarded? Ah, lovely. Yeah. So, are we going to do match at day next week? Or? <laughs> we, yeah, I think so. Do a good job, wouldn't we? Do you think? You, <laughs> you've been thinking, when was the last time you watched football? 15 years ago. <laughs> Probably, I'm just yeah. trying to think of it. Is that Frank Lampard <laughs> playing for Chelsea? Be, no, he's the manager now. He's the manager, yeah. Well, he used to be, he's not anymore. Uh, uh, I remember, do you remember Frank Lampard against Germany? He hit the crossbar and it was a goal, but it wasn't allowed. No, I don't. I'd I, already given up by then. Well, no, because that. They got beat 6-0 or something, 6-2. 6-1, wasn't it, or something, or 5-1, 4-1. But that would have made it 2-2. Oh, yeah, just it would have been a, ga- but just before, a game changer. It would have been just before half-time. Fucking twats. Anyway. Yeah, uh, well, did you watch um, GB News did the uh, alternative match of the day? No. No. Oh, it looked great. Is this Brassai? <laughs> no, it's GB News. <laughs> oh, there's Chris Morris. 
interesting because it's uh, full of rainbow flags and woe people. Uh, I think that's a fair point. Uh, the uh, Toad Crew eating Karate. Uh, look how lots Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> I mean, he's just like a particularly muscular horse, isn't he? I mean, now, Real Madrid, Barcelona, of course, is El Clasico. This is very much El Working Clasico. This is just Alan Partridge. It is. And he's very, very rude. Back to you, bunch of classic people. It was uh yeah, it looked really good. Yeah. Um, they did um they did say that they were gonna be taking the piss. Yeah. Um, it was, it's obviously tongue in cheek. Yeah. Uh I think people were taking it very seriously on Twitter thinking that they were actually gonna do like a Gonna bid for the rights. Yeah, yeah. Like they were gonna prove a point that this is how easy it is to do live. Well, not live, but close to live recorded yeah. uh, broadcasting. But if you watch the trailers um, on the day yesterday, you could tell that they were sort of taking the Mickey a bit. Yeah, of course. Yeah, it looked uh, it looked funnier than Match of the Day anyway. I know. So yeah, I, that normally sends me to sleep if I'm watching that. Well, normally, yeah. There's normally like two slaphead jokes about Alan Shearer. <laughs> And some a couple of joke innuendos about no end product. Is there from Danny Murphy and a slaphead joke? I've not been following this Lineker nonsense. It's it's so it's such a distraction from, from what? important matters. Impending financial doom, probably <laughs> from veganism being a psyop. Mm, obviously, <laughs> based Sigma Chad. We'll see what happens with the uh, the tech firms. Over the next two weeks, to see month. whether or not they fall over, loads of them are going to crash. There's going to be a lot. This of, was uh, the one. This is the bank that was loaning all the money to all the companies. Yeah, in Silicon Valley, Silicon yeah. Valley Bank. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a lot of job losses to come. Hopefully, there won't be contagion. Contagion. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, yeah. excuse me. Come back. Can we go now? It's Quarter past eleven. I think it's about Congratulations time. on becoming a doctor of thugonomics. Bullshit. Right, <clears throat> we'll sign off then for this week. Yeah, yeah. Be, oh no, it's not next week, is it? It's the week after. Yes, the week after when <clears throat> we all put our lives in the hand of the driving hands of Ben. I'm not using my hands. <laughs> They'll be busy. <laughs> yeah. You got caught sucking your fingers on the bus. <laughs> yeah. I'll be sucking my fingers in your car. Ugh. Bullshit. <laughs> yeah, we're going to... Uh... Wiltshire. Yeah. Wagwan fan, you're going to... Su- Wiltshire. Yeah. <laughs> Are you not entertained? We'll see you next week, then. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Take care. Don't have nightmares. Praise Shabalom. I love you. Epic dub. Seven days. Yeah, see you on seven days. Respect, run, run boy. boy. Respect. Bye. Ta-ra. Bye. Bye. Thank you for watching. Who's got the biggest cock? What did you do with Big Jungus? What did you do with Big Jungus? Don't you take your I'm too stupid. You have no authority here, Jesse Weaver. People like Bush.
That's it, man. Game over, man. Game over. Veganism's a sale. There's no doubt about it. 